Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of The Command Zone, your number one place for commander-based news and information. I'm Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh. And this is Craig Blanchett. Craig has been on our show before. This is your second uh, second incarnation. Is it better the second time around? It always is, Jim. Excellent. That's what I wanted to hear. (laughs) And Craig, you've got something very exciting in the works. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about Game Cove. Yeah, we've been working on a couple cool uh, new things. We, uh, you know, just finished up with the production of Top Decking Season 2, which you can check out at webisodesnetwork.com or at uh, YouTube slash webisodesnetwork. And uh, we're working on a new site that's uh, dedicated to high-quality gaming videos. Uh, We've got a couple big names on there. Basically, it's going to be sort of a congregation of all of the content that you have trouble finding online. I mean, it's tough to get to one. Like, I I go to, like, four different websites for magic-based content, and it's kind of a hassle, to be honest. And Game Cove, I think, is going to provide an alternative that is easily accessible, has its own player. It's sort of like an off-site YouTube where you don't have to go sift through all the other stuff. You just have aggregated content that we know is quality, and is presented to you in a way that's easy to digest and also easy to have access to all of it. Yeah, it's basically like a curator. So it's just, it's going to be a place where you can go. Yeah. It's, it's by gamers, for gamers, uh, and, and it's going to do all the sifting that you would normally have to do. Like you're not going to have to Google or go to your mm-hmm. your your favorite five or six websites and find the newest article on the best thing or the whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like it's going to have the videos that it knows that you're going to like and you know, you're going to be able to trust it as a source, right? Yeah, exactly. If you're looking for the standard deck to build or, you know, anything magic related or other TCG and gaming related, we will have it on Game Cove. Yeah. The great thing about Game Cove too is, is you guys are going to be like monitoring the, the content so that, you know, I don't have to go through all this crappy badly produced stuff to find the good stuff right exactly we are focusing a lot on making sure that the content is easy to access and making sure that the user experience is as high as possible so we're making sure that there's going to be a couple new features that uh, people haven't seen before and you know a couple uh ways to make things a little bit more interesting with this uh new opportunity i dig it i think anything that that spices up the internet in a way that makes it easier for for a consumer or someone that's using the internet to digest is really nice youtube's done a great job of that 
and so did Twitter, you know, when you first started. But at a certain point, you sort of get overwhelmed by the, the options, right? And sometimes you just need a little focus. You know, I have separate Twitter accounts, to be honest, where I only follow things I'm really interested in or employees, uh, fellow employees or people or friends of mine, just because I have, I have too many other people I'm following on the main account. So it's nice that there's a place that hopefully we'll be able to focus this. And Game Cove is going to be that, I think. Yeah, I think it's something that we've really needed is just yeah. to like a really an easier way to find stuff. It's just hard to find the stuff that I want to find. It just takes so long to find it that sometimes I, by the time I find it, I don't actually have time to watch it. <laughs> Sounds you know? about right. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. Jimmy, so what are we talking about today? So today we are delving into the wonderful world of cons of Tarkir. Um, and so excited! It's yeah. like a set that was built for Commander. Ooh. Oh man! Tri colors, so awesome. Fetchlands, oh. Fetchlands. Oh my god! Uh, it was. It's like it was built fetch. for every format, which is awesome. I love what Magic's doing recently it's, with everything that's going it's seriously, on. Seriously, because when I look through it, I'm like, sweet! I'm gonna put that in my Commander deck. Oh man, I can't wait to draft it. Holy crap! I'm actually kind of getting excited about playing Standard. Right. Yeah. Right. What? <laughs> I mean, I for the first time ever built a Standard deck, and I'm thrilled to be playing it. It's it's a like. So I never play red or blue, but like red is not my spirit color. I'm not Jimmy. So that's right. You know, <laughs> no one, no one to be me. playing a red blue <laughs> standard deck, which is like artifacts. Like I'm all about like Gave and like graveyard recursion yeah, right. and, you know, black, green, green black. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that means they got you. They got me. They got you. Big time. They and it's you. awesome. This, I'm going to call it right it. now. This will be the best selling magic set of all time. Of all time. I, can I think see. so I mean, too. Up till now, they might come yeah. up, they might trump it eventually, but this is going to be, I, it's crazy. I, I just don't think you can beat the flavor. It's, it's awesome. They built this huge world and they're like, we have three sets to exploit it and have fun with it in all these different formats. It's great. Awesome. So before we get into cons though, we want to talk about some changes that happened in the EDH world with the band, uh, banning, unbanning a few cards. Um, yes. So the, the way that the EDH ban list used to work is there was a few cards that uh, were banned, but only as commanders. So you could still put them into your deck. You just couldn't have them be the general of your deck. Um, those cards were Kokusho, Rafelos, Arayo, Metalworker. Oh, no, not Metalworker. Metalworker's not, never, sorry. He's, he's not legendary enough. Right. Metalworker was just plain banned. And then yeah. Braids was uh, was banned, but only as your commander. So those other four, not Metalworker, um, were banned as your commander. So what they decided to do is they decided to just either ban them all together or not have them be, be be banned. So the three um the three cards that are totally banned, you can't have them in your deck and you can't have them as your general are Rafelos, um Areo and Braids. Let's take a second to read what they all do so okay. we can understand why. Uh Braids Cabal Minion is four mana cost 2 and 2 black 2/2. Two, two. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player sacrifices an artifact, creature, or a land. All right. That is the worst commander to go against. Yeah. I, Makes sense I feel there. like this is not a huge deal because yeah. there's just a lot of cards in Magic that do this. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Abyss does it. Um, there's just Smokestack. Like, there's yeah. a ton of cards that, that replace this effect. So this doesn't feel like a huge deal to me. Yeah, just play... Uh, um... The only I, the only thing I think Children. that uh, made this different was that you could have it as your commander, so you could rely on it that much more. And relying yeah. on a, I think they want to make this I think more fun. Not you know this commander is just not fun. Right. Yeah. You know it's a, definitely a spiky card. I mean you can take advantage of it, just like the the stacks deck. But um, yeah. Yeah, well, Braids was actually banned as your commander for a while now, so you couldn't even do that. So yeah. to me, like, yeah, if it had been commander playable right. as your general, then then I agree. But it, it hasn't for a while, so it's just acted as another card in your deck. And so um, I, I just feel like if you were playing Braids, 
don't worry, you can find a replacement yeah. that's going to yeah. do it's most of what It's called Shieldred, pretty yeah. much, and it's, it's better. Yeah. Right. Um, I think it's the low mana cost that definitely hurt it. So the next one is Areo, and just to make it really simple, she's a flip card. If you meet the requirement, you flip her, and then she becomes a legendary enchantment, and she counters the first spell cast every turn. So Yeah, by an opponent. Yeah, now that is... Um, that's what you're saying. That makes the game super unfun. It slows it down. I think really, like, that's powerful, but I think it's just banned in the vein of, like, that's not fun. Exactly, which I think, you know, since they went through this change to make it either just purely banned or purely unbanned, which yeah. I think was a smart move on their part, since there was such a small list of ones that just couldn't be your commander, it didn't really make much sense. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, these you know, decisions are definitely to, to keep the game more fun, which I approve of. Yeah, I mean it's it is kind of restrictive and not a very entertaining way either. It's it's just sort of this like weird world effect. Uh, the last one that was banned as a commander and now is just completely banned is Rafelos Lanowar Emissary. Emissary. Uh, it's two green mana total and just two green green. Uh, just green green, and it just taps to add one green mana to your mana pool. Mana pool for each forest you own. So that's pretty. It's just ramp city. Um, I'm glad that you can't play it in regular play too, because there's no. It's the effect that it has is so big compared to a lot of other greens ramp spells that it's uncatchable by other by the. I think Rafelos was specifically banned. I may be wrong, but I think because it allowed. uh, I think it allowed tooth and nail on uh, turn three, and tooth and nail in commander is often just win. Yep. So just get two cards that create an infant combo, which you can do. So I think that's the problem with Rafelos is that it just created a lot of like turn three or four or win. Yeah. Which, you know, it's another way that the game's not fun. Yeah, exactly. So, and uh, there are ways to get to like a turn four win already, but Rafelos I think is just too easy of a Yeah, I think there, there are other cards that do that, but they're not as consistent. And Rafelos, yeah. you know, even if it's not your commander, that green has so many ways to search out a creature that you can get Rafelos out on turn two or turn three like pretty consistently. Yeah. And then, you know, on turn four, tooth and nail and just win. So mm-hmm. that doesn't seem, yeah, I mean, I, I get that one. I do just want to say he was my darling child in, in Omnath. My God. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah. Craig. Sorry, man. He sorry. lost a little bit of value there. Uh, one card that was unbanned entirely uh, is Kokusho the Evening Star. Four and two black, six mana total. Flying, but the big one is when Kokusho the Evening Star dies, each opponent loses five life, and you gain life equal to the life lost this way. Yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I think when Kokusho was banned, um, it was he was a lot more powerful than he is now. There's a lot of cards that do stuff like this yeah. now, like hit everybody. Like there's ways with Kakusho to sort of kill everyone all at once, but there's just a lot of cards that do that. Yeah, uh, exactly. You could draw them out with Nekusar. There's Yeah, and there's ways. ways to stop what Kakusho is trying to do because you have to sack him or get him killed, reanimate right. him, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. And he's going to cost two more each time. Kill, well, I kill think everybody. initially too when they created him, first of all, he creates such a, a gap. I mean, you gain five life for each player that's yeah. involved. So there was that. Yeah. But now there's a few other ways to die that have been introduced like Infect um, since that card was printed. Um, there might be a few others. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's only one. Was but, it in fact after um, Kamigawa? Yes. Oh. Um, so I mean, they had like poison. Counters, of course, but they didn't and have they, the proliferation that, right. like now. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And uh, you know, just that many more. You, the gain of life, the the life disparity that happened there was not as big of an issue as as it was before because now there's a couple other ways they can die. Also, you know, there's there's recursion Commander and everything. Damage, yeah. Exactly. You know. Um. Yeah, I just think Kokusho, when you even when you look at him now, it's just like, yeah, it's fine. Doesn't seem broken in any way. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It just it's a card that it's like okay, I'm not as 
extremely worried about this as I could have been. It, it was, it, it's just like still banned from ancient times. And yeah. there's like two card un- infinite combos out there. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, this relies on a few things. You need a sack outlet. You need a recursion outlet. Yeah. You need Kakusho. Makes yeah. him a fun commander to build around, I yeah. think. I think you could definitely yeah. make a really fun deck out of that. Um, mono black, of course. Uh, and the last card that was unbanned that I think is going to be drawing the most controversy this one is, yeah. is Metal Worker, which is a three mana artifact creature. Um, and you tap him to reveal any number of artifact cards in your hand add two colorless man to your man pool for each card revealed this way yeah i don't get this one um because it's so similar to rafelos so it's like if you're going to make the statement that like early mana shenanigans are a problem then mm-hmm. metalworker creates the same problem i mean yeah I okay can, so i can play and, tooth and nail on turn three well with metalworker i can play ulamog on turn four like is that is there a big difference there i don't know i mean maybe if you don't fetch an infinite combo then sure but i guess you can't get two cards yeah. maybe it's not quite as powerful as Rafelos, but i mean in the end i can do super broken stuff really early yeah the only ex- the only thing i could think of is that it's colorless mana that you're getting mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. maybe that's why it is they... slightly less powerful yeah I'm not but at the same time there the right are so deck. many asper yeah. control decks that or you know just like you said ulamog or you know yeah. things I mean, that just... can happen that are just broken completely on this i don't i don't know if i agree with this metal or metal worker on banning but this is the one see what happens. I would not be surprised if uh, in a year or a couple years or whatever they reban this card. Just because of just, new cards that are coming out too. Yeah, Unless they're going like, to print it again. I mean, that would be interesting. Uh, but they don't know <laughs> this. Me this yeah, because like, um, no. EDH and Commander <laughs> ban list is not run by Wizards of the Coast. So yeah. they don't. Uh, the people doing the ban list, they have no information based on what's being printed, reprinted, whatever. So they're not doing it based on that. They're... They're just, they think this card is not broken. Yeah. And I, I am going to go and prove them wrong. Yeah. I'm definitely <laughs> putting him in. I'm making an artifact deck now. I can, oh, now I can yeah. use him. Uh, the uh, only thing I, I can think of is that he he hurts himself, essentially, because you're going to play those cards in your hand with the mana you use. So he gets less and less each turn. But there's so many ways to just draw more cards. I mean, in how your many hand. times in Commander are you standing there or sitting there and you're holding like 15, 20 cards? It happens all the time. So yeah. if you're doing that, and in, I'm just thinking in Esper colors where you can recur him. Yeah. Now you can. Oh yeah. my God! It's like he's definitely going into room. I know yeah, that. Yeah, he's he's amazing. Uh, so yep. if you have an artifact based deck or a deck with a lot of artifacts, go put Metalworker in it right now. Yep, pretty much. It's awesome. There's no reason you shouldn't have him in there if you can uh, get him. He's a little hard to get, as we like. I was to just say. gonna say, is everywhere sold out of him right now? Uh, no, I wonder what out. the price did. Uh, it, you yeah. know, over, yeah, did it spike up? A it lot? went up. It went up about seven bucks. Oh, it's still climbing. Hey, hey, the power of Commander, though. Yeah. It's, it's um, but relative to its original price, I think it was sitting around twenty, and so it's been bumped up since then. I traded one uh, away. Twenty-seven recently, bucks I, now. Yeah, I never. Bucks. Here's that. Well, I many traded artif- one away. I had, I was, was like, banned. this is never going to get unbanned. Yeah. Look at yeah. this thing. I was like, this <laughs> yeah. is ridiculous. It gets unbanned. Great. <laughs> <laughs> you still have a couple, right? Yeah. Oh, all right. Let's move on to our main topic: cons of Tarkir. We talked about. Everybody's so excited about it. I wanted to really quickly just go through the mechanics um, in cons, uh, just talk about them really quickly, um, and just how they relate to EDH. So the Abzan, which is... White, black, green. I got you covered. Okay, good. Thank you. Uh, White, black, green, Abzan. (laughs) They are the Endurance of the Dragon, and their uh, mechanic is called Outlast. And how it works is you pay some amount of mana, and then you tap the creature, and the creature gets a 1-1 counter. And you can only play this as a sorcery. And that last part, the fact that you can only play as a sorcery, is actually the most important part. Because Absolutely. I think this mechanic would be pretty great. It'd be pretty broken. Oh, so limited. unbelievably broken. Yeah, I mean, it would instant. be usable in EDH, but not broken. Right. 
if it was as an instant. But yeah, for because of limited, basically they have to make it be played as a sorcery, and that pretty much means that I think in EDH it's just not worth it. I don't think that, yeah, I don't think Outlast is going to do much in EDH, but I think a lot of the, just the fact that they introduced these wedge color, you know, cards that we, you know, we had Shards of Alara before and, you know, Mm -hmm. and all of the Alara block, and this finally takes it to the other side. I mean, for me, the Abzan colors, white, black, green, have been my favorite since I started playing. You know, when I started playing was the 2011 Commander Cycle, so I immediately built Agave and a Carador deck, and I'm thrilled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm thrilled to see that you know they finally kind of embraced that and introduced it in the same set that has fetch lands and yeah. you know all this other stuff that's just awesome. Yeah, I, I agree about the fact that they're printing cards for those those wedges and and that's going to be good for us. But I just mean this mechanic in general. I just think eh, yeah, don't you the, can find stuff that does better things than this. Um, it's just going to be super slow, super mm-hmm. clunky. And as you look through the set, I think we'll find that the cards that have a universal effect for creatures that have plus one, plus one counters on it are much more important because yes. those affect the limited structure, but there's also a lot of cards in the history of Magic that will give you plus one, plus one counters. So that's where the Abzan sort of shines in EDH. Uh, the next group is Jeskai, and they're the, the cunning of the, uh, the clans. Uh, they are blue, red, and white. And their main effect is America. prowess. Yeah, they they are America, uh, and their main effect is prowess, which is this creature gets plus one plus one until end of turn every time you play a non-creature spell. Uh, the important thing to note about that is non-creature spell doesn't have to be an instant mm-hmm. or a sorcery. I mean, It'd if you an play enchantment, an artifact, that's artifact, yeah. yeah, an enchantment. So, um, yeah, uh, again, it's mostly for limited. It feels like, yeah, um, it it's just a, doesn't feel like it's going to be enough of a gain uh, in EDH too abuse this mechanic at least not right now yeah and very rarely are you just sitting there being like if only i had one more power and toughness to trade with this guy then i'd be up on board yeah it's It's edh like he's just going to not block you and be like okay i take two more damage (laughs) out of my 40 instead of 38 at 38 i'm at 36 (laughs) are you done yeah the only thing i can think of for a reason to play something like this would be something like heliva or or talrand where you're built around instants and sorceries or other things that you're not playing a lot of other creatures Mm -hmm. i haven't really taken taken too much of a look at this i don't really know what the creatures offer but if there's something in there i mean those would be the two you could maybe do a lot of cantrips so a lot of spells Mm -hmm. that draw you other cheap spells like quickens and stuff like that and just like chain together like storm kind of chain together like a whole bunch of stuff and then but if you're doing that just play storm yeah just play storm Storm. (laughs) it's gonna be better because then they just you do all that and they go uh path to exile (laughs) crap (laughs) but he was at 28 28 before he died I'm not saying prowess is horrible. If it's on a it's creature that's otherwise okay, you could play it. Uh, exactly. But you're not playing it because of prowess. Definitely not. So the next clan mechanic is Sultai. Black, green, blue. Black, green, and blue. Or and bug. they are the ruthlessness of the dragon. Their mechanic yeah. is Delve. Delve, you can reduce the mana cost of the spell by one colorless for each card you exile from your graveyard. So if it, a spell costs like one black and seven colorless, and you had five cards in your graveyard... You can exile all five of them, and now it will cost one black and two colorless. So it's a it's a loophole in the mana costs yeah. that you can pay. Yeah, this, these types of mechanics, I think, are okay. It's mm-hmm. just looking at most of the Delve cards, and we'll get into them later, they're just costed so high that I yeah. don't think they're going to be better than what you can find. And it's definitely a build-around-me mechanic, uh, because you'll definitely have more cards in your graveyard in EDH, but you also have to have a way to put them there. Uh, yeah, because otherwise really you're going to run out of gas. You know? yeah. So you'd have to build a deck that's putting a bunch of stuff in his graveyard on purpose, and then mm. maybe these cards get a little bit better. Even then, 
Murder yeah. is going to be better most of the time than this. And you, you're going to want to reanimate those cards or you're going to want to dredge or a right. lot of stuff where you're... Yeah. Are you really going to want to exile all if those you're cards? St- if you're putting well, like stuff you- in your bin with a color that's like these colors, you're going to want to dredge them back up. Yeah. And if, like you guys always say, if, uh, you know, you can, you judge a card on its, you know, every condition that it could be in. These are typically late game cards. They're yeah. typically yeah. not as advantageous early on. True. Yeah. And I think in the limited format, it's going to be best. You can only play a couple of these. Yeah, because no, you're going to get limited use out of how much gas you got in the, your your garbage. <laughs> I think I think Jimmy, you made a really good point actually. If you're playing a deck that's putting stuff in your own yard, you're doing that because you're using your graveyard as a resource. Yeah. it's like the cards in your graveyard are similar to cards in your hand. It's the second. And you, in that get. case, you don't actually want to exile them. You want access to them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just don't see it. I, I don't see it being super useful. Somebody might prove me wrong, but I, I don't see it being super useful. Yeah, and we'll talk about it because each of these clans also has a legendary creature that's the clan leader. Uh, yeah. And we'll definitely talk about if they're effective as commanders. Uh, the next group is Mardu, which is uh, definitely my colors. It's uh, speed. And as you might be able to guess, it has red in the color. And it's also <laughs> got white and black, which I think is really interesting. And their main effect is called Raid, uh, where you get a bonus effect if you have attacked with a creature this turn. So to, this refers mostly to your second main phase. Yeah, um, right. Like usually you're going to attack with something and then on your second main play a raid card and you'll get additional effect. This mechanic is okay mm-hmm. in EDH. It's usable. Just because the way that multiplayer works, usually if you want to attack somebody, you can find somebody that's like open to an attack from one of your guys. Yeah, for a tiny amount of damage. Yeah, somebody doesn't have a flyer or somebody just doesn't have any creatures at all or somebody has creatures that are smaller than your biggest one mm-hmm. or you've got a 1-1 death touch guy and you know they're just not going to want to block it. And you can usually just find a way in. Or, I mean, worse comes to worse, you can just attack. You don't have to actually deal any damage. They can block and kill the thing. Yeah, but if you exactly. want if you want to trigger raid, then you can do it. And I think that's what we're going to see in, in Limited, too, is you're going to just sometimes throw a guy in so you can get that extra effect. Yeah. And I think so. Some of these cards could be useful in EDH. I don't think you build a whole deck around it. but Well, people would murder you because they're like, you're about speed and trying to beat us with aggro. You might you might win a lot of games actually. Yeah, people, you might win one on one. People build slow EDH decks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. If it's more than three people total, if there's four gonna, people you're gonna lose. Yeah. Everyone's gonna raise a skeptical eye and you'd be like, "What is this guy doing?" And you're literally going like, "I'm just playing as fast as I can." And they're like, <laughs> "Okay, let's kill him then." <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're dead. Yeah. And the last clan is called Teamer. They are the ferocity and savagery of the dragon. And wait, don't tell me it's green, red, and blue. Ding 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 ding. I just know that because it's the Riku colors. That's right. And their um, mechanic is called Ferocious. And what Ferocious is that you get an additional effect if you control a creature with power four or greater. So the effect could come when you cast it. Some of cards say, oh, if you, when you attack with this guy, if you control a creature with four or greater, you get this effect. Actually, I think in Commander, this is going to be a lot easier to trigger. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, just because in general, we just play bigger creatures with higher casting cost, and mm-hmm. there's more likely to be a 4-4 four, four or bigger on your side of the table. I mean, like in Standard... Or a 4-1. You yeah, know, in Standard, there's four, some four. decks that just don't even have anything uh, that's uh, power 4 or greater, like yeah. in the whole deck. I doubt there's a Commander deck. There's probably a few. Uh, maybe the Gattacteed deck. We've... No, it doesn't. It has no, it does, yeah. a lot of big creatures. Like yeah. Talran, Talran, Talran Sky yeah. Talran, or something yeah. that I you don't think have... of any creatures in that deck there's a few but there's uh there's like uh yeah not too many so but most uh most of the time i think uh in an edh uh atmosphere like you're going to be able to trigger ferocious it's not going to be too difficult Mm -hmm. i think ferocious and raid are i'd like to see which one is more apt for uh for commander right i feel like they're both equally kind of on the same page because one you know the the power four or greater is typically later game the Mm -hmm. earlier one you can trigger kind of you know with any aggro deck Mm -hmm. or anything like that and like yeah 
like you yeah. were saying, to just attack and die, whatever. It'll also depend, I think, a lot on the colors because the ferocious creatures are going to be in Teemer's colors and the Mardu ones are going to be in the in the raid colors. And the only colors I think they share are red. It's just, it's just red, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the last mechanic, uh, yeah. actually the most interesting maybe, uh, uh, is Morph. So Morph is a little bit complicated, but the way it works is a Morph card, you can always play it for three colorless mana, and it's a colorless 2-2 creature, no creature type. And then you can pay the Morph cost on the card at any time, and you can flip it up, and then it becomes the card that it is. This sounds a little bit confusing. It's basically like you play a creature and nobody knows what it is. And that any time if you have the mana available or whatever the requirement is, they're not all mana. It's like it's hiding and then it morphs into the thing that it is. Yeah, the, the art they have for the card is uh, the, t- the tokens this time around, I think, f- explains it pretty well. It's like this weird energy ball that's flying oh, down yeah, the hill. And you are at some point able to cast the right amount of mana for it to explode into whatever it's supposed to be. And it almost always has an effect when it gets turned over or enters the battlefield. Uh, mostly when it's turned over. And usually, in, in Konzatark here, almost all the morph costs are, are very similar to the actual casting cost of the card. So if a card was like one and three red, there's nothing like that, the morph cost would be just three red. So it would just cost one less. But you are losing a turn when you play it because you can't usually play it and morph at that same turn. You won't have the mana too. Oh, and about the token, um, it's important to note that the, the, the morph card does not create a token when you put it into play. The token that they've created that it, it says 2-2 two, two creature on it is just to remind you that it is a morph card. So it's not like there's a 2-2 two, two that exists separately mm-hmm. as a token. It's The card is actually the 2-2. Two, two. So when you flip it over, you take that token back off the table. I think yeah. that might be a little bit confusing for some people. Yeah, and some of the rules also about morph, uh, if you're not playing online, you have to show the morph card if it ever dies or is removed or in any way is taken and supposed to be flipped face up because you don't want to just be like, I play a forest for its morph cost. You know. Yeah, that's it's a, it's a guard to check against cheating. So yeah. Yeah, if you're playing in competitive setting, then yeah, if you if the game's over or somebody bounces that that morph card back to your hand or they put it on top of your library, they tuck it into your deck, you're required at that point to show over show the card and prove that it's an yeah. actual morph card because like Jimmy said, you could be like playing an island as a yeah. as a two two creature otherwise. Yeah. And yeah. the last little thing is the little rules bit. Um, for those of you that know how the stack works intricately, morph does actually not use the stack. It is a called a quote unquote special action. Uh, which means you can pay the mana at any time to flip it over. You don't. You only have to. You just have to have priority. It right. won't be something that goes on the stack. It's not something that your opponent can respond to. Uh, so you're able to just flip it as long as you have the mana. So it's hard to get screwed over. Yeah, basically. exactly. Yeah. You can't. You can't. For instance, if it's a two-two and you say I'm going to pay its morph cost to flip it, they can't lightning bolt it for three uh, and kill it before it exactly. gets flipped over. Yeah. You pay the mana, it will flip over and become a zero-six or whatever, and then take the damage. All right. Okay, I think that covers the mechanics. So now we're going to go through um, the colors and then the multicolored and everything. We're just going to pick out the cards that we think are going to have some impact on EDH. All right. We are starting with black, and our first card here is Blood-Soaked Champion. Uh, for a single black, he is a 2-1 uh, human warrior that cannot block, and he has the raid mechanic. For one and a black, return Blood-Soaked Champion from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate this ability only if you attack with a creature this turn. Okay, the thing I like about this guy is you can use him to trigger himself. So what you can do is you attack with the Blood Soaked Champion, and then during the Declare Blockers phase, if they block him, you can just use a Sack Outlet and Sack him. And then during your second main, you've attacked with a creature. It was the Blood Soaked Champion. Doesn't yeah. matter. And now you bring him right back into play Yeah. for one in a black. So it's a great with Sack Outlets. And then if they don't block him, 
you can just hit him for two damage and do the same thing and sack him in your second main phase and then, and then bring him back because yeah. you attacked with a creature that turn so or you know maybe the two power is enough to kill their blocker yeah you know you never know so he's great he's got super amounts of recursion in him and if you sack him to like phyrexian altar or uh, the other altar, you essentially have half the mana you need. True. Although so, if you exact during the combat phase, then it won't come correct. out of the combat phase. So you'd have to yeah. do that during. So just leave phase. it. Yeah. Just leave him swinging, and if he dies, he'll bring him back, right? Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of decks that just have sack outlets, and they have mm-hmm. sack outlets that let them do things. I mean, let's say you had I don't know what deck this would go in, but let's say you had Jalira, mm-hmm. and so what you can do is you attack with him, and then you use him with Jalira, who basically Ops says out a new person. sack him, and then flip cards over from the top of your deck until you find a creature and put that directly into play. Mm-hmm. You know, And if it's uh, if you've managed to stack the top of your deck, you could get Ulamog for him and then bring him right back and do Non-legendary. It again. Oh, non-legendary. Yeah. Sorry. Otherwise, Jaleer would be busted. Don't do Ulamog. You'd be cheating. <laughs> do something big, though. Instead, take the Ulamog and morph him for three mana. Yeah. <laughs> do Stormtide Leviathan. There you go. Done. Yeah, exactly. Cheat out anyone that's fat. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, next card is called. Oh, this one was named by our by friend of the show, James Bianca. Yeah, it's called Empty the Pits. This is a card for you, Craig. I feel like you'd like this. Big time, man. Yeah. This is um, four black, and X, and then X. <laughs> I don't even know if that's how you're. Supposed I think to that's the most it. mana symbols I've ever seen on so the card lot. outside of like Chromat. <laughs> it's an instant. It has Delve, which, as we recall, means that you can pay for the colorless part of the mana cost by exiling uh, any number of cards from your graveyard. It says, put X 2-2 black zombie creature tokens onto the battlefield tapped. So you pay four swamps, and then you have to pay X twice. So if you also pay six other mana, that would be three and three, and you get three 2-2 zombies, which doesn't really sound... Very right. appealing. Three two two zombies for ten mana. Yeah, that's that's. But it has delve. Mm-hmm. So let's say you had twenty cards in your graveyard. Boom. Now you pay that same amount. You pay four swamps, six mana, exile twenty cards from your graveyard. Thirteen. So you get thirteen two twos. You know what I like better than that? What army of the damned? <laughs> yeah, because you know what you're getting every time. Exactly. And it's cheaper. The yeah. only thing that's not good about it, is, well, that's better about this, is that this is an instant. But it, like you said, getting rid of all those creatures in your graveyard, I can see this working a lot with like Cabal Coffers and mm-hmm. um, what's the other one? And uh, Urborg, Tomb of Yawgmoth. You know, in a mono black deck, I could see something like this oh, kind of Oh, where you just happening. get a lot of black. You can yeah, just you just get a ton mana. of black mana yeah. and, you know, you're just... But uh, yeah, this card yeah, just create like a ton of mana, and then yeah, you know what this card would probably work with is um, uh, metal worker. <laughs> <laughs> you just stack your hand with like oh, fifteen uh, yeah. artifacts, it and just boom. boom. Yeah. yeah, I mean you need that. You but if you have Urborg, you're good. Whatever your lands out are swamps. Yeah. I, I mean, think this is an interesting card. I think this is going to have a hard time finding its way into EDH. Like I think at first right. glance it looks really good. Yeah, but I think in practice the four black is they very don't put four black on a lot of stuff because it's very hard to get there unless yeah. you're running mono color. I like what you said. Army of the Damned. Much it's a million times better oh, yeah. in yeah. almost every circumstance. Everything comes like, into play tapped, but it's like you have 13 of them. You can do it again. Yeah. yeah. And our example just had 13, but it was at the extra cost of 20 cards from your graveyard. Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm like the entertainment in me is be, is like, all right, this is just like a like a last ditch effort spell. If like you're at the end of your game and you're like, I have to do something, I got it. I'm gonna mill my deck into my my library until I have two cards in my library and, and 98 cards or whatever, a b- bunch of cards. I'm gonna cast empty the pits at empty instant speed at the end wow. of the turn, and then I can win. And then somebody goes, 
Rakdos Charm. Faded rep- Retribution? Yeah, right. yeah Rakdos Charm. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's a million things that just... Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't love it. Army, Go with Army of the Damned, everybody. Go with Army yeah. of the Damned. All right, next up is Grim Harrowspecs. It's two and one black for three total. Uh, it's a morph card, so you can play it for three as a two-two. Uh, you can morph it for just one black mana, and it says whenever another non-token creature you control dies, draw a card. Yeah, I, I liked this card. Well, it's really good with the Bloodsoaked Champion. Mm-hmm. Because you can just... It can be a draw engine. Anything that's draw engine is good uh, in general. And uh, also because our first episode, we talked about Marchesa, and Marchesa was about reoccurring um, creatures, uh, continuously sacking them, and then they keep coming back into play. Yeah, There's a lot of cards in Magic's history that do that. So I think this deck will find a home, in, or this card will find a home in those decks. Yeah, I, I like the card. I think it has... It's another draw outlet, which is nice too. And mm-hmm. you're, you're going to lose creatures. And, and I don't think Black has too many options for card draw. So, well, that's Black, what I like Black, about this most. Black has quite a bit, uh, but it they does. usually cost you life. Yeah. Right. right. Or they're very high mana cost. What I like about this is it's a lower mana cost, uh, you know, way to, it's a body. It's also, mm-hmm. you know, it has a lot of adv- advantages to it. You could also put it down for its morph cost. And then if somebody just happens to board wrath you, you just yeah, flip it over it and you go, uh, at least I get at to draw get... six more cards. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I think this is a pretty solid card. You always just need to draw cards in EDH. So Yeah, pretty much. Okay, the next um, one is called Keru Bloodsucker. Keru? Sure. Whenever, <laughs> oh, sorry. It's a two and a black for a creature vampire, two, two. It does when, not look like a vampire. No, it, it doesn't. Like something demonic. It looks like, I don't know, it looks like a, Arms looks like a Gumby zombie. <laughs> that's a great description did you like our pause for well. you guys to laugh yeah, before, looked, yeah. No, like, come on laugh i looked at it and i was like that is a gumby zombie <laughs> it also and, rhymes yeah okay. <laughs> it says whenever a creature you control with toughness four or greater dies each opponent loses two life and you gain two life plus okay. it has uh, an activated ability pay two and a black sacrifice another creature put a one one counter on Keru bloodsucker right so I always look out for these effects that hit all of my opponents. Because if I can find a way to recur a 4-4 four, four or bigger, mm-hmm. uh, or sorry, a, a, a creature with tough, toughness 4 or bigger, then I can just be continuously ding people. And if I can do that a few times in a turn, if there's a way to bounce a creature directly into play repeatedly after it's died, which there's cards that do things like this, mm-hmm. you, could, you could really stack up like a lot of damage and gain a lot of life like pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and it's also like this card I really love because of its second ability. I'm always looking for cards that have sack outlets built into yeah. them. Uh, mm-hmm. It's such an important thing um, in in EDH to have sack outlets because you're you're always going to want to get extra utility every creatures, and if your your opponents don't have that sort of option, you're going to be a step ahead of them in the game too. Um, How also, good is this card in Marchesa because it, oh, you need great. sack outlets. You're going to sack something; it's going to come back into play because of Marchesa, and it puts a plus one plus, plus one, one counter on him, which protects him yeah. from dying. And you don't need to tap them, so you can use it at instant speed right, as soon exactly. as he's in the battlefield. Yeah. And, and not to mention this combo is great with something like Sanguine Bond, which is whenever you gain life, each opponent loses that much life, so it doubles yeah. it immediately. Um, Shoot, is that an infinite combo? No, it's not. Because it doesn't just, get, also gain you life. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 it would only just, you gain but they life. would lose four, and you'd gain two. Yeah, Everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anytime you're dealing damage to the entire table indiscriminately, it's powerful. Yeah. We found that out when we drafted Conspiracy. Um, another card that also helps out with Marchesa is, is uh, Merrick Nightblade, which is an Outlast guy, but he gives each creature you control the plus one, plus one counter on it, Death Touch. 
And so that's super powerful in Marchesa because now you can be freely swinging in with stuff. You don't need to just hold them back. You know, now you're, all your creatures have an additional ability that is And nobody really can attack you either because, yeah. you know. Those are typically my favorite creatures in this set. The ones that say everything with a plus one, plus one, or yeah. one counter gets yeah. That's this. what you can build around. The, yeah. the Outlast mechanic itself doesn't do that a ton for you. But mm-hmm. if you're giving... Because you can play with modular cards or you can play with... Per, um, with undying cards or you can play with graft cards you yeah. know there's a lot of cards that either come into play with plus one plus one counters or they just have ways to get them very easily and then yeah now you're playing it's basically like an anthem effect for all of those creatures yeah. right very yeah. very nice all right let's move on to red jimmy what <laughs> you know no, i was color. just gonna say why why do you want to talk about red I, I don't know i've just been seeing all these beautiful red cards on this page <laughs> and i'm looking at and Guys, red. Do you guys know that red's a color in the, in Cons of Tarkir? <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite color in Ta- Cons of Tarkir, Jimmy? Uh, it would be the red clan. <laughs> I think there's... The red clan. <laughs> uh, the first card is Burn Away. It's a five mana, four and one red for an instant. Burn Away deals six damage, damage to target creature. And here's the nice wording on this. When that creature dies this turn, exile all cards from its controller's graveyard. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I really like effects like this that, that we've talked about many times do two things at once so you it's a lot of times you don't really want to put a dedicated just hose people's graveyard card in your deck like Tormod's crypt or something because mm-hmm. it does nothing if they're not playing if they don't care about their graveyard and yeah you know what's the percentage of decks that actually use their graveyard it's not that many but then when somebody is it totally sucks because you're like i wish i could get rid of their graveyard so now you've got a card and if you don't if you, nobody's playing a graveyard uh themed deck then you can at least still kill something with it it still yeah. does something yeah, but if five they are six is acceptable yeah but if they are playing a, like a graveyard shenanigan deck you just completely hose their deck which yeah. i think is cool about this set specifically is that and you know what they're doing with red recently because i heard a pod you know your earlier podcast with uh, alex kessler and you know you guys were talking about how red was typically not uh the best commander color, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the past. In red, you are typically not pulling that much from your graveyard. If you are pulling from your graveyard, it's typically, yeah, you know, past in flames or something like that. Maybe so, a flashback card, yeah. Not, right, exactly. Right. It's not your central theme. But something like this where you're dealing six damage to somebody and getting rid of their graveyard at instant speed can be an answer to, I recur this from my graveyard. No, you don't. And, you know, your creature yeah. dies. Yeah. Um, and it's very, there's going to be something that dies to six damage. Like now, that, would, that kills most everything. That's actually a really good point oh, right. because even even decks that aren't dedicated to graveyard shenanigans, a lot of decks have like a way or two to use something the, yeah. in their graveyard. Like and so it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, person. you're not like going to reanimate all your stuff, but you might flash back something or do something out mm-hmm. of there and I'll, boom, just... And just this is a way yeah. of exiling that creature as well. So if, yeah. you know, say a Micaeus the Unhallowed is really chapping oh, your yeah. butt, oh, yeah. Absolutely. you know, this is like... Okay, um, no, not anymore. I, I think this card was actually built, too, to answer the standard problem of, like, of the soul of Neuphorexia or any of the souls because yep. they have an ability you can use from the graveyard. This makes sure that they can't do it. You know? Oh, interesting. Yeah, and it does point. exactly, exactly six, six damage. damage yeah. yeah, I didn't think about it until I read it just now. Smart guy. Uh, the next card is called Howl of the Horde. This was also named by James Bianca. James is killing it. He's by pretty the way. prolific. We have a couple more. Yeah, James he's is. one of the Fetchlands too. Yeah. Oh, he has flavor text. Flavor he didn't text, name it, yeah. but still, well, he couldn't name it. They were already named. <laughs> that would have been awesome. I named right. Flooded Plain. I uh, renamed it, guys. <laughs> I just added a uh, an extra N at the end. So it's James, flooded. I would call liar on that yeah. one. So just don't try it. <laughs> don't morph that on us. So Howl of the Horde. It's two and a red for a sorcery. It says when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy but it has raid. Hmm. So 
Okay, there's a lot of text, but what happens is if you have raid, which means if you attacked with the creature that, that this turn, do it again. So yeah. basically copy it twice. This seems extremely powerful to me. For three in mana. EDH. It's three mana to copy a spell twice if you have raid. Even if you only get to copy it once. I mean, a card like Fork, which is two red, does that twin cast two blue? Yeah. Does that? Those are totally awesome cards because in EDH we're playing cards that say, give me two extra turns. Make 13 2 2 zombies. You know, do you want to make 39 2 2 zombies? Imagine yes, please. this guy in Hulava. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, just so much rip. Wait, you call her that too? I listen to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's I hope, true. I just hope that's becoming a thing out there. Yeah. I also uh, yeah. work with Alex Kessler. <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely one of the things is like you want ways to double stuff up in red. That's when you're really yeah. getting like out of a burn spell or anything. There's a lot of ways to kill people, and red has a lot of just fun ways that if you can double it, makes it a lot better than like just sort of any other spell that you could be playing. And they've had other, you know, copy something once and whatnot, and typically they're like two red or two blue, which mm-hmm. is harder mm-hmm. to get to. Mm-hmm. Something like this, it's three, but it's only one red. So, you know, it's not an instant like a lot of the others, but it has some really cool abilities. I'm interested to see where this goes. I don't yeah, think it's too. too hard to just do something crazy with this card. I mean, instead oh, yeah. of two extra turns, you get six extra turns. <laughs> you ju- That's called I win. It's called I win the game, yeah. In Nekusar, I like to fork um, a Wheel of Fortune. Well, let's just play three Wheel of Fortunes. Everybody yep. draws seven cards, discards, draws seven cards, discards, draws seven, seven more card, cards. Yeah. That's 21 damage to everybody. Yeah. Like... Yeah, that should the, kill half the table. There's by the just point so many broken that. things. Anything that doubles up something you're already going to do is going to mm. be powerful because we're a singleton format. So yeah. all our cards are individually powerful, and you can, you know, and and we're allowed to do it because you can only play one of them. Well, this lets you play three of them. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Imagine Mirariing this, like playing something oh, right. this and then Mirari. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a lot of doubling you can do. There's a lot of shenanigans. <laughs> this is just amazing. Yeah, yeah, you could. I could see scenarios where you brain guys or everybody out. You know, yep. or something oh. like that. There's like a like James Bianca's deck where he metal has a worker and then mana. brain geyser and then this. Yeah, although yeah, it doesn't have red in it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> metal worker, brain geyser, howl of the horde, game, yeah. game. Oh, yeah, man. Craig just can... broke the format. Yeah, you can even do it on yourself for just like a draw. Who said spell. mono red wasn't good? Yeah, no. Yeah, one. that's true. If you have a moderate draw spell, it just you can all of a sudden triple it up. Busted. So it's like instead of drawing five, you draw fifteen. Like that's a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, you may choose new targets, so you can be like, nope. It's all me. It's all me. All it's me. All me. Uh, the next big one we have is Sarkin the Dragon Speaker. And we talked about this on a podcast two episodes ago, I believe, with Marshall. Um, Sarkin is just basically a, a really fun planeswalker. Um, he he is five total man with four loyalty. His plus one, he becomes a legendary 4-4 red dragon creature with pli- flying indestructible in haste. And he doesn't lose loyalty when he's not a planeswalker, which is the first time we've seen that. His minus three, he just deals four damage to a creature. And his minus six is you get an emblem with, at the beginning of your draw step, draw two additional cards. And at the beginning of your end step, discard your hand. So it's it's definitely, it's got the red theme of like, you get to draw cards, but at a price. Right. Right. Like aggressive mining. Or You're drawing three cards. Yeah, That's exactly. a lot. Um, in mono red, it's great. Because mm-hmm. in mono red, it just has real trouble drawing cards. I think if you're paired with... Uh, basically any other color, then it's you don't even want to ultimate him. Yeah, exactly. The thing I like about him is he gets around board wipes, uh, at least sorcery speed board wipes. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they, they can wipe the board and the Planeswalker is still going to be there. He's yeah. not super brokenly powerful. He's, no. Yeah, unfortunately. He's definitely a, he's a, he's a player. 
in yeah. the game. He's not he's not the leader. He's not a guy that comes in and makes any deck specifically busted. Um, but he's got a lot of utility for Red because Red doesn't, just doesn't have that much card draw either. Yeah, I mean he's a planeswalker. We're going to talk about him. He doesn't belong in a lot of decks. But if you have him, uh, you know you you can find a place and yeah. You know, people are going to just throw him in there. I hope I don't get chastised for this, but I really don't see the big deal about him. He's, like, only indestructible on your turn. He, you know, he can deal three damage to something, but at five mana, that's a ton. Yeah. And, uh, you know, his last ability, it's cool, you know, to draw extra two cards. And in Mono Red, I could see with Mono Red Burn, I could see his place in Limited. I'd like yeah. to see him in a and in standard and in standard, and in yeah, standard yeah. right? I think in EDH he's just he's doesn't not going to quite get there yet. I'd right. love to see a dragon theme deck and having Sarkin just as one of the cards in there because I think that'd be fun with Dragon Storm and all the you know the red dragons you can get. Yeah, true. And true. having that would be a nice flavorful card. Uh, the last red card I wanted to talk about is Barrage of Boulders, which is a sorcery speed um, two and one red, and it deals one damage to each creature you don't control. So that's great for EDH. It's going to hit an entire board, but more importantly, it's a ferocious trigger. So if you control a creature with power four or greater. Creatures can't block this turn. For three mana, you can essentially seal your victory if if you are able to attack. So in a deck that has you know like a like Animar, you know sometimes you just need, you all you need to do is like swing with three of your biggest guys and you'll kill them. But if they can chump block them, then what's the matter? They don't have trample necessarily. Barrage of Bullers is nice because you can indiscriminate. You target everyone. All those creatures can't block. You can just start swinging away at as many people as you want. And I think this is one of the more effective ways to blow out the game and potentially win by killing like several people on one turn. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of this card. Um, I just think, it, okay, it's good against token decks because the one damage will actually matter. Um, but it's a sorcery. So you can find things that are going to do one damage to everything that are um, at a better speed for you. Practice charm. Yeah, and the falter effect uh, part That's of it, which is what there. we call when you make things unblockable, is good. But, you know, a lot of times, even if you can kill one person, you're not attacking because the other two people will crack back and kill you. So I just feel like in EDH, there's so many times where it's not the fact that they can block you that's really stopping you. It's the crack back from the other players. And so this doesn't solve that part of the equation. And usually, like, hey, if I can attack you and kill you and not lose anything, then I'm not worried about your blockers anyway. See, now what I do like about this, to contradict your point slightly, is that with something like this, it affects, like Jim said, everybody's creatures, everybody, except right. for you. Uh, even you, I guess. You can't block during the turn that you attack. Right. But it's sorcery, so it's but, your turn. Right. Well, so, but what you, you can control, do from right? there is now you can choose, okay, let's yeah, say, Josh, you're control. the strong person on the board. Right. And you have a ton of creatures, and Jim has nothing, and it's us three playing. I can, with this card, now choose you as the one to die and deal with Jimmy the next turn. So the crackback may be less severe. It's true. You can I, I take think care of like the big down. guy. It's true. I just feel like that scenario is pretty specific. And most of right. the time, the scenario right. is there's four people at the table. I could kill maybe one person, but right. the other two can kill me if I do that. And so what happens is the whole board is stalled out. And this card doesn't break that stall for me. It'll allow you to attack with two of your guys, but that probably won't kill them. Yeah. Well, so it's just like I'd rather have Amphim Pathmage. It just right. makes things unblockable for three mana like you know in a lot of scenarios it's like well i'll just make two things unblockable i'll attack with those i'll still have some blockers back and i'll just chip away because you know if i just swing with everything and i have no blockers left you know I, i'm not saying it's completely unusable i just eh. i just see it in creature yeah. heavy decks yeah uh, if you're a red deck like animar this could be your win condition one of your few win I think, conditions. yeah i think red aggro could use this potentially yeah. And the other downside is, of course, if you're playing a mono red deck, 
you're better off just going infinite with Kiki Jiki and like zealous. Yeah, exactly. Do you really <laughs> want to use a card on this when you know your deck room. you can have yeah <laughs> you can have Splinter Twin or Kiki Jiki as one of your cards yeah. and, and then you're gonna have Barrage of Boulders. I don't know. I just don't see. I'd be a better popper card in that case. Anyway, let's move on to green. Uh, the first card we got here is Hardened Scales. It's a one green enchantment, and it's pretty simple. If one or more plus one plus one counters will be placed on the creature you control, that many plus one plus one counters are placed on it instead. Plus one. Plus one, yeah. That many plus one. So, so it doesn't gets... double them. It just gives you one additional. One more. Yeah. yeah. It's in the mold of Parallel Lives, Doubling Season, that kind of stuff. So we wanted to talk about it. It's not completely super powerful, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I can't see it being used in decks where plus one plus one counters matter um, because you can get to a point where like I don't know. There's cards that say put a plus one plus one counter on all your creatures. Yeah, well, some elves do that. If you put two on everything, all of a sudden like you can just win. And something like this, you know, like I was talking about earlier, the Abzan's my favorite, and you know I built those two generals, Gave. Uh, this is going immediately in Gave yeah. because yeah. now you start putting plus one plus one counters on things. You create two of them. You sack one to create a token. And yep. blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah, blah. yeah. Yep. It's it's just a nice and it costs one green. I think that's the big appeal. It's yeah. it's just something you can lay down like exploration. Yeah, it's that's easy a, to put down and immediately affects your board state. Yeah, really good point. The cost is so low that you can actually hold it in your hand and then play it out the same turn you're going to yeah. do the plus one plus one counter thing. Works good with some of the Ajani's. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to use it. I, don't put it in your deck if you've only got a couple cards that put plus one, plus one counters on yeah. stuff. Put it in your deck if if that's one of the sub-themes of your deck or maybe even or the main theme. sub-theme, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, the next card is called, oh, I like this one, Hooded Hydra. Yeah, this guy's awesome. Yeah. I love the art, too. It's a snake hydra. It costs green, green, and X, and it's a zero, zero. So you might guess something's going to happen here. Hooded Hydra enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. So if you play green, green, and six, it's a six, six. When Hooded Hydra dies, put a one, one green snake creature token onto the battlefield for each plus one plus one counter on it. Value. Yeah. It's also a morph card. It costs three and two green to flip it over. And when it's turned up, you put five plus one plus one counters on it. So you can sort of like make it a five, five for five. If you pay, if you make it a two, two for three on turn three, um, Anyway, in EDH, I don't see you doing that very often. You're probably yeah. going to hold it in your hand because you're going to be able to create a whole bunch of mana, and you're going right. to play it as a twenty twenty. And then if they happen to kill it, you get 21-1 snakes. It's kind of like yeah. uh, Chasm Skulker. Chasm Skulker, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Except you get to choose how many plus one plus one counters it comes in with. Um, I like this card a lot. Yeah. Uh, Anything especially... that's resistant to a board wipe or <laughs> resistant to being killed is like... Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, if they... Oh, yeah, this against a board wipe is so punishing. Someone sees that happen, they're like, Ugh, I wish I didn't wrath. Especially in a token <laughs> deck, which is... I mean, which is where green lives. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, let's say you have doubling season out and they kill Oof. it and it's an 18-18. You make 36 dudes. Yep. Let's say you also have something like Ogre. Parallel Lives or yeah. Primal Vigor. Or let's or... say you have like Ogre Battle Driver. Is yeah. that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Ogre Battle Master, I think. Battle Master or Battle Driver, whatever yeah. that gives it anything. Plus to two ent- plus zero in haste. Yeah, so it's battle like, driver, oh, yeah. I made 36 dudes and they're three ones. Yeah. And they have haste. Everybody's yeah. dead. Everybody starts shuffling. Yeah, everyone's like already cutting their soul rings back into their deck. Sadly, <laughs> I can definitely see Shoot, this guy. If you're being lucky a, enough to have soul ring out. Yeah, right. I can definitely see this guy being a token deck bomb. Yeah, you know, especially because a lot of token decks you're playing uh, 
the uh, altar, the one where sacrifice a creature. Altar of had, dementia. Yeah. No, oh, no, no, Phyrexian altar. Phyrexian or, altar. Yeah. Or, um, yeah. The other so you altar, can just yeah. sack them. Sack them for either one color yeah. or for or, two colorless. And, yeah. yeah. I mean, any, and it's resistant to board wipes, which tokens are token decks are really weak to. And yeah. what I'm thinking is now you can cast him. Say, let's say you have a bunch of tokens on the battlefield already. You cast him later for two green, and you sack all your tokens to the altar for two colorless. Make him now, even bigger. make him even bigger, and then, and then sack they, him to the altar, and then boom, boom you've got. You know, from your other tokens, you're essentially feeding your own token machine. Right. Holy crap! I didn't even think about that's amazing. That's a great combo. Doubling season parallel lives double the amount of counters you put on them initially too. Oh yeah. right, yeah. yeah. So if you go oh, only geez. doubling season does, I don't think parallel lives. Okay, does. so doubling right. season, yeah. So you go pay two green and six. He actually becomes a twelve twelve. Right. And then when he dies, you make twenty four guys. So you quadrupled the amount. Yeah. That's valuable. Wow. So imagine in Craig's scenario, now you have like 10, I don't know, oh one, one <laughs> saplings out. You sacrifice 10 of those to one of the uh, Phyrexian altar, or uh, I think it's yep. Ashnod's that gives you two colorless. Yep. So now you've got 20 mana. You play two green. You can play him for 20, 20, and then he's doubled up to 40, and then you sack the 40, him again 40. to the same outlet, and, and you get, get 80. 80. Yeah, and then you can sack all those for more mana to, I don't know, play Fireball. To, re- <laughs> to regrowth him and play him as an 80, 80, he's in, or yeah. play him with 80 mana, and then he's a 160, 160, and then when he dies, you get 320. 20. See how good I am at math? Yeah, I like yeah. the doubling yeah. here. I'm Asian. I'm good at math. Bing, you got it. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, oh, excellent. Another James Pianca written card. James, you're like, you're you're helping out the uh, the EDH scene right now. I'm this is, um, yeah, this card See the Unwritten. Pretty awesome. Yeah, it's four and two green. It's a sorcery. Reveal the top eight cards of your library. You may put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield and put the rest into your graveyard. Or Ferocious, if you control a creature with power four or greater, you may put two creature cards on the battlefield instead of one. So it's kind of like a tooth and nail. It's like but... a fair tooth and nail? Yeah, it's a fair tooth and nail. Fair and nail. A fair and nail, unless you stack the top of your deck somehow. Uh, I think. Uh, James, this... I'm sorry. I know you wrote CD Unwritten, but I just renamed it Fair and Nail. <laughs> 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 that's excellent uh, i think this is better in a deck that wants some graveyard shenanigans um because eight cards you might hit something that you really like or, or a creature that you didn't you know you had to choose between three awesome creatures so you just put wait wait no oh so that yeah so that you can still I don't, interact I don't think so i think it's good in a deck where you're fixing the top of your deck yeah oh yeah that's definitely where it's or, best. i mean carador and kalia or is it kalia no carador and uh damia come to mind with this because, oh, yeah, you know, you. typically you're playing big creatures, Carador especially, you want stuff in your graveyard. Mm-hmm. And then Cal- or Damia is like, you're just playing huge stuff. So Right. Yeah. But, I mean, you could go get, these are any two creatures, right? It doesn't have the legendary thing. So, yep. yep. You can, just put, among you can do the same thing cards. you can do with Tooth and Nail, except for that it doesn't simultaneously tutor them. You have to have gone and found them. So, it's, like I said, just fair and nail. But you can literally win the game by just getting the right two creatures into yeah. play. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you can fix the top of your deck. All you need is, you know, brainstorm. I'm going to combine this with Howl of the Horde and do it for 16 cards and put four creatures out. <laughs> Youch. Wait, if you attacked with a creature that turn, you can do it three times. Oh, that's right. That's what I meant. 24 yeah. cards, put six creatures out. Shaboom. Then it is tooth and nail. <laughs> yeah, essentially at that point, you're probably going to hit the cards you want. Yeah. Yeah, this card is uh, this card is is good. Yeah. Um, for six it, it mana. It requires too. some setup. You've got to like, but if you have Sensei's. Uh, divining top mm-hmm. if you've got scroll rack if you've got you know all these things that allow you to yeah. manipulate the top of your deck we've talked about them before uh for helova um or even you know some of those uh you know the creatures that when they're in their, your graveyard they do uh, extra stuff like brawn or anger or uh, genesis, genesis, yeah, genesis yeah. you know which again now genesis is in your graveyard now you can stack it again if you can recur that through like uh that creature when it comes in return a card 
Gravedigger? Gravedigger, yeah. Uh, any yeah, of, any or, of them. Or, uh, Eternal, like the Eternal Witness. One. You're talking about like, Eternal or Revel Arc, or there's a million, but... Yeah, E-Witness is the, the e hot one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm just not as worried about what I'm putting in my graveyard, because I'm more worried about what I'm putting directly into play for free. Well, right. it's not free, it's six mana, but I mean, you can put Ulamog and Kozilek, is he... But the added like benefits of having stuff in your graveyard, too, is something else to consider with this, because it's, you know... Yeah, you might as well. going into yeah. The, you know, yeah. And green is one of the graveyard shenanigan colors, so... Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, good point. Um, the last green card I want to talk about is actually the Buy Box promo, and I think this is a card that will definitely be valuable in the future. It's Rattleclaw Mystic. It's one in the green, and essentially kind of acts as a... Uh, kind of like a, a Noble Hierarch in a way. It's got two abilities on. The first is that it adds the team or colors of green, blue, or red, and also it's a morph card that when you turn it face up, you get green, blue, and red in your mana pool. So it's, it gives you a little extra mana. It's a little fun. It's one ramp. and a green for a two-one also. So yeah. you don't have to play it as a morph. Exactly, but it's what like I, it's ramp. It's got it's got the colors fixing you need. It's strong. I really like this because you know, let's say you're playing an EDH and you're playing those colors, and let's say you're playing five colors. If you're mana screwed for any one of those colors, you play it for three face down. You play it next turn or the same turn for two. Now you have all colors. It's great mana fixing. It's true. You don't even need green to play it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you can get yeah. the other I colors. I would say out. it's still not as good as Birds of Paradise or Sylvan Carry added. Yeah, yeah, of I course agree. not. Um, yeah. I just think in a deck like Animar, where you can cast him for his morph cost, um, it's pretty strong. Just because if you again don't have the colors to get him out, you can reliably get him out for turn four. You know, unless you. It's really expensive. I mean, you're gonna pay five mana to do it. He's certainly not an every deck kind of card, but I think he definitely has his place, yeah. like an Animar or you know a five color deck where you do want to be a little bit more consistent. I do yeah. like five color decks. Indeed, you do. All right, all right. On to white. Um, the first card we want to talk about is called Brave the Sands. It's one in white for an enchantment. It says creatures you control have vigilance. Nice. Each creature you can, tr- each creature you control can block an additional creature. So we've talked about this in the past. I believe that blocking is actually way more important in EDH than it is in other formats. And vigilance is actually more important in EDH mm-hmm. than it is in other formats. Because if you're playing with three other players, you're attacking once and you're on defense three times. Yeah. So having vigilance and being able to block an additional creature means you're just unassailable. I mean, if you have three creatures out, they have to have six creatures to get by you. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, you may trade with them, but at that same time, they're just like, is it worth to attack them? Yeah, a lot of people won't even attack you, even if they can, even if, if they have a profitable attack, because mm-hmm. it leaves them open to other players. Yeah, they don't so, have vigilance. Yeah, so if they can't kill you, they're going to be like, well, he'll chump block, and then I'm just open to attack for no gain. Yeah. This you is know. pretty interesting, because this will probably replace Heliod in a few of my token decks. Mm-hmm. Even though mm-hmm. Heliod can make the tokens, you know, the vigilance factor is the same, but this costs one white, one other. Yeah, it's yeah. very cheap. And then can block, you can, you, like you said, your blocking power is ridiculous. And with tokens, now you're. You're completely way unassailable, ahead of the game. I feel like. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, uncommon, sun, too. This is way. like, this should have been rare. I yeah, I like just think in uh, the, the rarity usually has to do with limited, and in limited, right. it's not as powerful because yeah. you don't have this broad range of strategies. And like some people are building a deck with only one creature, and some people are building a deck that makes six hundred creatures like that. Yeah, in limited, that doesn't happen. But EDH right. all the time. Yeah, exactly. I do feel like though, vigilance is one of my favorite abilities. Yeah. Period. It's so yeah. advantageous. It shows that you're an EDH player, correct? Yeah, because it, in regular Magic, it's not as important. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But in EDH, it's super important because if I attack Jimmy, yeah. now I want to make open. sure that Craig right. and Kessler cannot crack I, back I on love me. the idea of a token blowout with this, too, because it's like, all right, I'm going to swing with my 80 tokens at you. 
block four. I don't care. And I'm not open. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, not open. I'm not open to because yeah. guess what? Killed. Yeah. And now I can block 164 yeah. of your creatures. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Craig's, Craig's good at math too. Nice. I think it was 162. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next big one we have is the board wipe of white, and it's end hostilities three and two white. It's a sorcery, and it just says destroy all creatures and all a permanence attached to creatures. Oh my gosh. This is actually amazing in EDH. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Everything's getting put equipped. Put it in your white deck you have, put it in there. Because yeah. worst case scenario... It's better than Wrath of God. Well, oh, situationally. So I have a lot of white decks that are Voltron-based. True, true. And I don't necessarily want to be running this in my Voltron based. Put, I guess put it is a sorcery. Market. Put high market. Well, this in there. is a sorcery, yeah, so, so I guess I could like unequip my stuff. Put, possibly no. Put high market. You can't unequip, but you yeah, can right. equip to something else. But you right. put high market in. Sack your guy first. Cast into hostilities. We go to what does Rafik deck totally hoses hosed. Rafik. Yep. Yeah. Any Voltron deck. Any yep. Voltron deck mm-hmm. hosed. In fact, you know, you put all that crap on there. So you think this also has a place in a Voltron deck that you're playing? Yes, because like I'd say half the decks in the format are suit up your general in some way. Yeah, or suit up a card. They're putting like how many decks play Whisper Silk Cloak? Like everyone, everyone, Swiftfoot Boots. How many? Like almost every commander deck plays those cards. And why do they play them? Because they're trying to protect their commander. And what happens is you kill it once, you find some way around it, but then they get it out again and put Whisper Silk Cloak on it again, and you're in the same position you were in. Well, if you can kill the Whisper Silk Cloak. Yeah, now you're killing the problem. Yeah, and yeah. for five mana too. Like yeah, I only pay five mana. More. I pay five mana for a kill spell sometimes. I Holy pay crap. five mana for a ramp spell. It's called <laughs> Gilded Lotus. That yeah. only just creates more mana. Yeah, yeah exactly. No. Uh, and the nice thing is too, it's like if you do have a Voltron deck, and let's say you're the target, and you get your Voltron commander knocked off, and your equipment falls to the side, it's like thanks. big deal. Here but just my think if wide. they killed all the equipment when they did it, oh you'd my be gosh, like, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. well, that's how am I going to win? Is if your general does die by some means or something, now you can be like, all right, fine, end hostilities. Everyone yeah. else gets hosed, my equipment stays, I'll recast next turn. Yeah. And like I said, if you were playing a Voltron deck, put high market in, put some a couple sack outlets in. You probably should have a couple anyway. Like every yeah. deck. I have be, high market in every, every yeah, deck. Yeah, every deck would yeah. be better because le- they're going to go to tuck your general. Yep. Okay, no, I'll sack them first. Exactly. Yeah, like yeah. there's a lot of reasons why you want a sack outlet in almost every ADH deck, at least a couple. And this is just another reason. Yeah. Um, um, the next one uh, we want to talk about is called Erase. It's really simple. It's just the uh, swords. It's it's um, enchantments to plowshares. It's one <laughs> white for an instant exile target enchantment. And well, it has nothing else to it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, no life game. What we've seen recently, <laughs> what we've seen recently is a really big push towards more powerful enchantments. Um, yeah, and the yeah. fact that this one exiles them, so all of the stuff from Exile really Born bad. of the Gods that's yeah. in, you know that's indestructible. Like, this gets rid of. I don't even want to run Deicide anymore because yep. how many gods is my opponent running? Two. I just have an erase cheaper gone. Yep. Instant. But, yeah, and there's so many gods, gods as generals, like yeah. they're a yep. real problem. Like Crufix, we talked about that whole deck uh, a few episodes ago. Like it's really part of the reason those decks work is because the general is really hard to deal with. It's just really yeah. hard to kill in any way because it's an enchantment. And you can't use destroy enchantment. You need exile enchantment. And there's just not a ton mm-hmm. of those. And there's always going to be enchantments on the table. Like, yeah. you're hardly ever going to draw an erase in a game and be like, crap, I can't use this. Oh, my gosh. You're, there's always some something powerful that yeah. someone's running. And like, also, it's a common. So it you can easily pick this up. Yeah, Especially in our play group, enchantments are the one thing that, for some reason, always stick around. Like, artifacts get dealt with. Creatures get dealt with. But enchantments, yeah. it's just like nobody really runs enchantment removal well, here's in our th- play group. Yeah, here's the thing. I think it's pretty common in most play groups because you run a lot of creature destruction. Well, a lot of artifacts are creatures. So creature destruction already hits artifacts. Mm-hmm. Plus, 
artifact just feels better. There's more artifacts played. Like, I don't know what the percentages are. Let's just make up some numbers. But on average, I'd say 80% of the cards on the table that aren't lands are creatures. Mm-hmm. You know, 15% are artifacts, and the last five are enchantments. Well, mm-hmm. you're just not going to put a bunch of cards in your deck that deal with 5% of stuff. Right. But yeah. some, but there's oh, how, some of them are so broken. Oh, how many oh times have you been on the table? Somebody's got an abyss or yep. oh, just all kinds Silver of crap. Where library, just, even just like silly things that yeah. help them out way more than you can help yourself out of that point. Yeah. Worst case scenario, you blow away a Sylvan library or something and it's fine. Like, you know, you set your opponent back, you use the card, you know, and that's if you know that the erase isn't going to take out a god or something. Yeah. Uh, now let's move on to blue. Uh, blue, nice. blue in this set, not the uh, not the most powerful color. Some really fun cards though, and I think this first one is definitely that. It's I think there's some good EDH cards. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, the first is Clever Impersonator, which yeah. is two and two blue for four total. A creature shapeshifter. It's a clone effect. Uh, it says you may have Clever Impersonator enter the battlefield as a copy of any non-land permanent on the battlefield. So. It can become an enchantment. It can become a soul ring. <laughs> it can become a planeswalker. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's it's awesome. It's very clever. It's awesome. It's gonna go in most decks that have blue. Yeah. Um it'll probably replace my clone in a lot of stuff. It'll yeah. I mean it's like a better Phyrexian metamorph in a lot of ways. Cause that can, that it's can a way doesn't better. Count, it doesn't count as an artifact. So yeah, exactly. It just counts it was as what it is. Yep. It's, uh, does it still count as a creature? It's no, because it's a copy of it. So it, yeah. it's not a creature if it becomes a soul ring. But it is yeah. when it's in your graveyard, yes. and it's also low casting costs. Yeah. So and it says any yeah. non-land permanent, so it gets around hexproof. Oh, it's man. it's definitely a powerful card. Yeah, I can yeah. see this being like more fair as something you control, kind of like that crappy one yeah. that was that was right. the promo card. Mercurial, 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 yeah. Mercurial oh, Pretender, Mercurial, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But yeah. this is yeah, this is nuts. Awesome. Especially if you're running a monocolored deck and someone else has something in the, another color, which is like, of course you can't play that in red because it would be busted. Or, of course you can't play that in blue, but whatever. And now a clever person here pops in and you're like, hey, watch me get broken. I can play it now. Yeah, I'd love to just see. I, I can't wait for the stories about like, yeah, this one person played this one card and it synergized perfectly with my deck because <laughs> it wasn't supposed to. Um, okay, so the next card, Keru Spell Snatcher. Oh, yes. It's three and a blue for a 3-3, three, three, but it has morph. The morph cost is four and two blue, so it's a high, hefty morph cost. But here's why. When Karu's spell snatcher is turned face up, counter target spell. If that spell is countered in this way, exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard. You may cast that card without paying its mana cost for as long as it remains exiled. Right. Rules clarification, you can only cast it once, right. and then it becomes a regular spell being cast. It'll go to the graveyard after it dies, etc. Now, right. other rule. So, would you be able to cast it as an instant if it's a creature? No, or does it you have still have to, to obey the okay. casting cost on card. Got you it. can play yeah. it, but if it's an instant, you can play it as an instant. But if it's a creature, you can't play it with flash. Correct. Uh, unless you had something that allows you to play creatures as. Fl- it's like it's in your hand. Basically. Yeah, Vidalcan Orrery would be the. Yeah. The I think it's non-creature cards actually for that. But yeah, I know, yes, I know one. Prophet of Crufix. Oh yes, the yeah. prophet. We haven't talked about her yet. Not to mention, I oh my gosh. I think she was gosh. getting a little bit upset at us. Yeah, I, I'm actually feeling, <laughs> she's like gl- glaring at me right now. And it's great because Karu's Spell Snatcher works perfectly with Prophet of Crufix. Where are you going to get that six mana from? Prophet of Crufix. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, uh, you're in blue. Uh, you're in the flicker colors. Uh, yeah. You're in, oh, flicker doesn't do anything. But, no, no, she's the uh, Animar. 
bounce them back to your hand, play yep. them again, play them again, steal the next spell that they cast. I mean, this is one of those cards like um, mm. Glenna Lendra, Perplexing Chimera. These yeah. type of cards have the ability to just lock the entire game out and, and stop your opponent from casting spells because you can steal everything. Mm-hmm. You can get in these situations where you're playing them, bouncing them back to your hand, playing them again face down, and, and poised and ready to steal the next yeah. spell. I mean, if you have profit and this... You've got mana every turn to do it. Now you just need a way to repeatedly bounce it back to your hand. Yep. That's easy to do. You're in blue. So all of a sudden, like, hey, I have the ability to steal your first spell everybody else's turn. I mean, you're going to win. Yeah, it's that's really busted. And Unless they cast Wrath of God. No, no, because it counters it. It counters you don't even it, have yeah, to... as long as you have the mana up. Oh, that's true, because with Perplexing Chimera, if they played Wrath of God and you use Perplexing Chimera on it, you just... Switch, be the, yeah, you'd be the controller spells, of Wrath right. of God. It wouldn't yeah. matter. It'd still go off and kill everything. Uh, but in this, it actually counters the spell and, and puts it off to the side. Yeah. And then you can choose to cast it, but you don't have to. So if you go, oh, I don't want that Wrath of God to happen, I'll take it and put it in exile. I just won't cast it. That's really insane. Yeah, this Goodness card gracious. is baroquin. Yeah, I like put it, it in your blue decks. Put it in Animar for sure. Yeah. Um, um, the last blue card we're going to talk about here is called Thousand Winds. <laughs> Wow, we didn't even practice that. I know, right? We did it in sync. Plus, our wind impersonation is really good. <laughs> we got two layers of it, too. We could, like, we should start an ADR studio. We're four and two blue or six total. <laughs> you get a five, six flying creature elemental that has morph for five and two blue. When Thousand Winds is turned face up, return all other tap creatures <laughs> to their owner's hands. All right, that's a blowout. Yeah, that was really good. Um, I like this card a lot. Uh, I th- I see it as a card that's like your second version of Cyclonic Rift in your deck. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's great in a deck like Rafik when or you're evacuation. Not... Yeah, or... exactly. Oh my god. Um, it's great in a card like Rafik where you're not really attacking mm-hmm. with more than one guy, so that your opponents are going to be the ones that have to deal with this. You can do it at instant speed because it doesn't use a stack. You can do it when someone's like, all right, I swing out. And they're like, good, he doesn't have enough mana to like really blow me out, I hope. And you're like, nope, morph, woo, everyone goes away. It's, it's great. Yeah, these and and blue's so controlly that like mm-hmm. a lot of times you're just trying to buy it for time until you can use your combo or get two extra turns or whatever. And all of yeah. a sudden, this is just like, boom, everything back to everybody's hand. This can really screw people up too because if they don't have a reliquary tower or something, they're like, oh, crap, I'm, hurting, I'm holding like 17 cards. And I... <laughs> And I can only play two of them, and it's just like, it feels really bad. Um, yeah. Wait a second, because I just want to play devil's advocate here for a second, because it's only tapped creatures. Right, correct. So, like we were talking about earlier, tapped, you know, tapping out against all your opponents doesn't happen is, all, the, doesn't time. Happen all mm-hmm. the time. So, I feel like this is a very high mana cost, something that you have to play it, like, face down for three first. And then its morph cost is actually more than its regular casting cost. Right. So... You know, you're essentially play, paying what five, six, Seven. so ten. Oh, ten total. Ten yeah, to yeah. like if you cast it and then use it the same turn. Oh yeah, I don't think you're ever going to do that. You're going right. to have to put it face yeah. down. Put it face down and, and then ready. wait for it. Exactly. I mean, think about it against like a token deck. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always that point where you're pretty sure they're going to go off in a second, yep. and like you've got to have an answer, and this yeah. can be an answer to that. There's also like Rafik type decks where it's like, ah, gosh, he's going to kill me next turn. I'm going to kill him the turn after that, but I just can't make it to that turn. Well, this guy will let you get there. Yeah. Like those type of things. It's like a wrath effect. It's, it's like you said, Cyclonic Rift. It's not as good. It's not as good, but I would play 10 Cyclonic Rifts if I could. Yeah, right? exactly. Right. So a thousand sort of, gets you part of the way there. Yeah, it gets you 60% of what Cyclonic Rift does, yeah, which and is sometimes, still awesome. Sometimes you just need an incremental gain to be able to pull ahead in, in the parody race. You know, you're probably going to cast this right before it's your turn. 
mm-hmm. you know, when everyone's had their chance to swing out or whatever. Like, because sometimes the table just gets aggressive for one turn, and yep. everyone's like, "All right, guys, guess we're gonna do it." And everyone starts swinging out. A thousand wins. You are up, up, up top because you can do it at the beginning of your turn when you untap. You can essentially protect yourself from a thousand wins. And I guess what I was thinking is, there's that white angel that essentially kills everything when she comes into play. She kills all sunblast angel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And something like this that's better than her is. She doesn't kill indestructible or, mm-hmm. right. you know, and this gets around hexproof. It gets around indestructible. Yeah. It does get around a lot. It's yeah. not your vigilant, dude. It's not perfect. Don't get me wrong. But right. I just think it's pretty strong. And also, like, it's a 5-6 flyer. Yeah. yeah. Like, sometimes they're just hitting you with something in the air, and you just need a flyer, and you just play it out. Yep. It doesn't have to Cyclonic Rift them every time. Yeah. That's the thing about Cyclonic Rift. If they got one creature on the table that's bashing you in the face, like, it just buys you one turn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so... I mean, I can see this really just as it's like your your fail fail safe switch. You're, yeah. You know, you hit it. It's like Elgo. He's coming with me with everything. Whoosh. You yeah. know, it's better than it's even better in a lot of ways than Cryptic Command because Cryptic Command just taps whoa, them all down. Whoa, whoa, slow down, dude. <laughs> because this way, I mean, if I mean, usually Pump those bricks. Whoa, you know, hey, what about you know incomp? You know, you know what? Do it do all both. together. Do them both. Do both. Do Cryptic Command and tap them down, and then. Throw oh, them back there in you their go. Hands. Throw them that up to the hand combo. for a Wombo solid combo. eleven mana for only six blue. <laughs> it's commander. And six other. It's yeah, commander. it's commander. Yeah, yeah. I got eleven yeah. mana. I'll in my make back it there all the time. <laughs> all right, let's all talk right. about some artifacts. Uh, first up, we got Ugin's Nexus, uh, which is five mana for a legendary artifact. <laughs> it does have some windy qualities. We're not doing to that it. anymore. We're not. Uh, uh, if, uh, if a player would begin an extra turn, that player skips that turn instead. And if it would be put into a graveyard from the battlefield, instead exile it and take an extra turn after this one. So you get an extra turn if it gets uh, tossed into your bin. So if they try and destroy it, or if they do destroy it, yeah, then you get an extra turn. And while it's out, nobody can get extra turns. Yeah, they have to, including skip it. yourself. That's really strong. I just feel like there's so much this week that's going to make my Sharoom deck better. Like, yeah. you know, especially something like this, you can sack, you know, there's like a trading post or mm-hmm. something like that where you can sack, you know, an artifact. Now you draw a card and take an extra turn. Yeah, and now you can you recur re- it. Well, now you can you recur it with Sharoom. It gets exiled. It gets exiled out. Yeah. Ah. See, that's that's when okay. they're like, oh, yeah, Craig wants to build that Shroom deck. We have to make sure that we, okay, yeah. Exile, the thing about extra turns, bigger. though, is the things that give you extra turns, they end up taking quite a bit of mana. Yeah. So unless you can cheat the mana cost with Helleva or something like that, yep. the extra turn actually becomes your turn because you paid seven mana or five mana turn, to get yeah. the extra turn. What you can do now is you do the installment plan. So on this turn, I play Ugin's Nexus. And then on my next turn, now I can use it, and I actually do get two turns because I get mm-hmm. my sixth turn and my seventh turn. And without paying any mana for it if you're able to right. sack exactly. it. Right, able to sack it. And so, what I'm more excited about this for in, uh, is more my uh, standard deck because it's, again, playing a lot of uh, artifacts. Oh, right. not, Shrapnel Blast. Shrapnel Blast. Exactly. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, also, that's nice. uh, it gives extra turns to, uh, access to extra turns to colors that don't normally get mm-hmm. extra yeah. turns. You know, blue's the king of extra turns. You know, but if you're in green, you're not getting a lot of extra turns. Yeah, exactly. Well, now you can. Yeah. So a lot of times, if you just had two turns in a row, you would win because you're like, I can put this out, but it won't make it around the table before, you know, this other stuff happens. But if I can just take one extra turn, I can just win this whole game. And in only in blue can you get those extra turns. And blue's not usually the one that needs the extra turn to just win. I mean, sometimes. But things like red. Red needs that extra turn. Yeah. Um, or green. Green's a really good one because they just don't ever get it. And it's yeah, like, exactly. I'm going to put out a huge creature, and if I ever get to attack with it, I'll win. Yeah. But it'll just never, you know, there's three players that are going to try and kill it by the time it's my turn again. Well, 
Ugin's Nexus. Yeah. I do think its first ability has a place in EDH too. Oh, yeah, Because a lot of the times, like that, my God, that card that you played yeah. against us, what time? Yeah. Time Sifter, or, you know, like we were talking about earlier, if you cast like six time extra sieve. term. Time Sieve, yeah. Time Sieve, yep. And, you know, you, or you cast six extra terms. Now it's, or, you know, what's that? Tide Master or whatever. It's like now you have. Yeah. I'd like to use those. Time Sieve to sack Ugin's Nexus to begin another. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then the also nice thing is that even for blue here is like this is a very hard ability to counter. It's not a spell. It's an artifact that's getting put into the graveyard. Yeah. So unless you have a way to stop that from happening, it's like that turn's going to begin. And once you put it into play, they don't want to destroy it. So it benefits you too much. Uh, by the way, if somebody puts this into play, destroy it right away. Don't let them <laughs> save it until they yeah. actually are going to be able to kill you with it. Make them use it like right now when Absolutely. they're maybe not ready to use it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't That's let them hold saying. it over your head like I did with Cryptic Command that one time. <laughs> Famous <laughs> stories. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to lands really quickly because we've already talked about it. Fetch lands. Fetch lands are awesome. That's all I have to say. They're, yep. they're, they're going to be great for us because we have um, dual lands, old school dual lands. You know, they're available in the format. I'm not saying everybody has them, but, yep. you know, and, uh, and the shock lands. As long lands. as the lands say, like, for instance, Bloodstained Mires, like, sacrifice it, pay one life, and you tap it, and you find a swamp or mountain, then you put it onto the battlefield. Not tapped, and you get to shuffle your library. Yep. So, if your card says it's a swamp mountain, you get to put that card into play. Yep. What so I love about you. this is yeah. how close in proximity they printed it to the Return to Ravnica block. Yeah. So now we have, a, you know, people for new players, there are inexpensive shock lands yep. and now inexpensive fetch lands. And, you know, like we've always talked about, mana fixing is so key. And it's really a lot of times the difference between a really good deck and a pretty good deck is the consistency you get from mana fixing. Yeah, absolutely. Also, things with like landfall, um, Mm -hmm. you know, there's mechanics that deal with when lands come into play. Mm -hmm. It's like Crucible of Worlds. Yep. Yep. Crucible of Worlds and Fetch Lands are awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to open up a lot of strategies people didn't have access to because they couldn't afford the fetch lands. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really good. Yeah, that's why we think this set is going to be open so much is people yeah. will be getting these fetch lands. Um, Actually, the lands in this set are so great for EDH. Oh, yeah. Because the wedge lands, so those are the three color lands for each clan, mm-hmm. and then there's the life lands. So they come into play tapped, uh, but you gain a life when they come in. And they, Same with the wedge lands, too. Yeah, yeah. and they tap for... Um, oh, yeah, the wedge lands come into play tapped, but you don't, you don't gain life. And the wedge lands are basically like the gates, the guild gates, except for that you gain one life. And um, and they're just for the um, the enemy colors, right? Mm-hmm. No, they're just for the allied colors. Sorry. Allied, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the fetch lands are for enemy. So anyway, here we are. There's three different types of lands for that tap for different colors. Mm-hmm. Just so good for EDH. Like, yeah. you just need your deck to have as many uh, ways to tap for different kinds of, of mana yeah. as possible. And they have the artifacts that do it as well. Um, so basically, thank you, Wizards, for doing this. It, it means a lot to this us. This is maybe the best thing about the set for EDH players. It's just access to a lot of mana fixing yeah i can imagine people were excited too when when shards of alara came out because for the same reason if they were playing commander back then were they oh yes let's talk about multicolored cards and this is i think the heart and soul of this set are the multicolored clan cards of the all the tribes and stuff let's talk about the charms first sure uh charms historically really powerful because versatility is so powerful we've Mm -hmm. talked about them before um we're not going to go through all of them because a couple of them are not that great, but uh, let's talk about the Abzan charm. So yep. it's uh, white, black, and a green. For an instant, it says choose one. Exile target creature with power three or greater. Second choice, you draw two cards and you lose two life. Third choice, distribute two 1-1 counters among one or two target creatures. So 
again, versatility really good. The ability to exile a creature at instant speed, we've talked about it before, mm-hmm. really Very powerful. powerful yeah. yeah, this this only costs three mana, so it does get around something like Gaddic Teague, um, right. which we talked about last week. Um, then if that's not available to you or that's not attractive to you, um, you can just draw two cards and pay two life, which is in Commander of the blood, Two Life. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, and the last one I think is just mm, it's it's yeah it's the it's the worst of the three um, to distribute to one one counter. So it's basically like a yeah it's like a feral invocation kind of yeah. I think this is a great popper card as well. Uh, I mean, obviously there are better options to exile, um, like path to exile and stuff, but it's not easily accessible. But to that everyone. one can't draw you cards if you're looking around the table. And exactly. There's to exile. So yeah. yeah, the 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 different stuff you can do with this is really handy because it makes it so much more useful in different parts of the game. Yeah, um, and I think when you look at this card, you know, in the way that we always do is how many phases of the turn, What, when is this, you know, usable? Yeah, the quadrant theory. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The, uh, you know, during their turn, if they're attacking you, you know, you can get rid of something. Or if you just see their Ulamog or their, you know, uh, what's the infect guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, three or greater, sorry. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so you can get rid of something oh. that's indestructible. Did I say it kills Gattic It does not. No, but it gets around it gets his around casting costs, yeah, yeah. which it definitely Helios, does. Yeah, and then you know you draw two cards. Let's say you just need cards, which in these colors typically it's tough. Green and white are a little bit tough. Black is going to be your draw. Yeah, black is going to be your blo- yeah. your draw. But something like this, draw two cards for two is at instant speed is good. And then if you need you know an extra two mana to or two plus one plus ones to deal something to something else, or you know this is also the color. These are the color. Uh, schemes where the mm-hmm. plus one plus one counters in fact do extra yeah. stuff yeah. oh the infect oh i love this for infect yeah, yeah definitely well again because in an infect deck you may have things that do that make your creatures like they're more efficient at making creatures bigger but they don't also do these other things so it's like yeah in an infect deck this is a great top deck because if you don't need to kill something with power three or greater then you just draw two more cards and then you know hopefully those cards are awesome because you've built your deck right you know yeah. and then if you're close to killing somebody then it can give you the two plus one plus one counters to just finish yeah. somebody off, especially in Infect, where it's like, well, I can do eight, I can do eight poison, but if I just need anything that adds a couple more, boom. Yeah. Or yeah. even like something like Rafik, where it's like, well, I'm going to get double strike. So this is actually putting four damage on something, which, you know, if, if Which you act- wouldn't be able to play this in Rafik, but you could play it oh, in, yeah, say, right. Gave yeah. or something right. like that. Right. So now in Gave. Colors, right? Colors. You know, you're <laughs> in Gave, typically you're playing like doubling season or yeah. something right. like that. So now it's four plus one plus, co- yeah. plus one plus one counters on. Would that be stuff. only two creatures? Yeah, it's still only on two creatures. Yeah. But okay. moving on, the other charms I don't think are that great. We we were talking a little bit about uh, about them a little bit before the podcast. I think uh, the biggest one is Sultai Charm, um, which is uh, black, green, and blue, and you get to choose one: uh, a destroy monocolored cre- target monocolored creature, b destroy target artifact or enchantment, or c draw two cards and then discard a card. This one's awesome. Each one of these is important. Yeah, this one's awesome. Uh, um, just the ability to. To destroy a creature, artifact, or enchantment with one card. Yeah. I mean, just that, I'm sold. Right, absolutely. For three mana, having the option is amazing. Yeah. And um, then in an instant where none of that's viable for you, you can at least draw two cards and discard one. So right, it's a, it's a better loot. You get yeah. to get two in your hands. And in the commanders that use these colors, like you know Damia or uh, Mimeoplasm, those kind mm-hmm. of feed off of the graveyard. So mm-hmm. the one that goes into the graveyard can Actually be matters. advantageous. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Really good point. I think this is the best of the charms for EDH anyway. Yeah. Oh, also just for you guys uh, that are looking at these commanders as we're talking about them, it's important to note that the color order is different. 
So uh, in this case, um, Mimeoplasm is not... So Sultai Charm is black, green, blue, but on the card, Mimeoplasm, it actually goes green, blue, black. So just make sure... Oh, you're just the that, way they've the laid way out they've the symbols? Laid, yeah, the symbols is oh, different. But it doesn't... Okay. Right, because like black, green, blue is technically bug, but in this case, it would be bagoo the way that they've Jeez, written it. Jimmy, you're observant. I never even would have noticed. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't even know what order they're in now. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I don't even yeah. know what order. It's blue, red, white. I don't know. Well, it's know. based on how the wedges, I think, are made. Uh, if you look at the back of the card, we talked about that in the Gavin episode. How to I think they just randomly put them on there. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, are there any other charms we want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, think so. I think you guys should just look at the charms. Uh, I think they're really, really good. Uh, Teamer Charm might be the only other one I think that is, is worth potentially putting in a deck with the colors. Um, and typically with the charms, they've made them so that they know which generals have these colors right now. Yeah. And I think they've made them to be able to fit into each one. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the ascendancy enchant- enchantments. There's yeah, again each one clan for has each an clan. enchantment. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, okay. Abzan Ascendancy, white, black, and green for an enchantment. When Abzan Ascendancy enters the battlefield, put a 1-1 counter on each creature you control. Whenever a non-token creature you control dies, put a 1-1 spirit token creature with flying onto the battlefield. Wow. This is like my favorite ever. <laughs> it's interesting <laughs> because you'd think for with the first part, which is put a 1-1 counter on everything, you want that in token decks. Oh, yeah. But then the second part says when a non-token creature you control dies, make a 1-1 flying token. So... I'm not, I mean, it's good. Both sides are good. It's yeah. hard to take advantage of both. I think, uh, yeah, in, for good so reason. I'm, good this is definitely going in Gave, which is, you know, obviously something that could play it. One of the only token decks that could play it. And something like this in Gave, Gave typically, your way of generating tokens is non-token creatures. Mm-hmm. So something like this, and you also, typically in my deck, I'm not running that many flying creatures. Mm-hmm. And flying creatures in tokens can be very, very powerful because now you have doubling season, parallel lives, mm-hmm. uh, primal vigor, so you're doubling your tokens every mm-hmm. time. Now you're creating, you know, let's say four birds or, you know, two flying spirits, but now you also have your pump spells. Mm-hmm. You have your, you know, uh, guy's anthem, your, you know... Uh, yeah, your mass pump. Exactly. Yeah, mass pump. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, that, that can... Uh, I think this will be powerful. I think there's ways to use it. I think, yeah, I think it's it's a little bit difficult because the two halves are sort of split, but it is it is two powerful effects. Yeah. So. Um, Let's talk about Jeskai Ascendancy, uh, blue, red, white. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Untap those creatures. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. So there have already been multiple infinite combos in standard and modern that have been made with this card because untapping all those creatures yep. is nuts. It, it's a very powerful effect and being able to do it by casting a non-creature spell is very important. There are whole important. cards that just say untap all your creatures. Yeah, absolutely. So this one actually says whenever you play another card that does something else, you just happen to untap all your creatures. Yeah. Um, that's I, I'm afraid of five color decks that can use all of these cards. So yeah, because you utility. can actually break them. Because I think, yeah, there's that, and that's one of the ways too, right? Is to play this Jeskai Ascendancy in with green mm-hmm. in a five color deck or something. But it's just super powerful. Um, yeah, yeah, and it, it gets there. Yeah, and it just lets you loot every time that you play a non creature spell. You know, it's just going to smooth out the whole game for you. You're not going to draw too many lands if you don't want to yeah. land, or you're going to find lands if you need them. Um, yeah, I just think this card's really powerful. Yeah, it's got utility all over the place. Plus, great art, straight up Avatar: The Last Airbender status. 
Like, look at that guy. That guy looks like Aang in the middle. He's straight up. He's I can't r- think of that without thinking of M. Night Shyamalan now. And it just <laughs> oh, makes God. me sad. Yeah. That does make everyone sad. All right. The next card is Mardu Ascendancy. It's a red, white, and a black for an enchantment, of course. Whenever a non-token creature you control attacks, put a 1-1 red goblin creature token onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. And you can sacrifice Mardu Ascendancy, the, the enchantment, to um, make creatures you control get plus zero, plus three until end of turn. Really interesting that it gives them toughness and not power. You'd think it would give right. them power, right? Yeah, it gives them, a, it's like kind of like raising the banner, giving them yeah. a little more resistance. Um, you know, this is fun. I think it's better in a, a limited format. Yeah, it's, going for it's speed, one of the know? weaker ascendancies, I would say. But yeah. And I wish I wish that it was something in the air that was, you know, like a 1-1 one, one flying creature or something right. like that, but obviously it we're not going to get It would be broken in limited. Well, yeah. in oh Kalia, well, I'm thinking in Kalia, something like this, where you don't want her to die. Mm-hmm. So you play this, you're typically attacking with flying creatures. So now I guess you have some on the ground too, like yeah. whatever. But it's sack ability to give plus zero, plus three. Might be more interesting there because now you can save Kalia if they're like, I. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I don't think it's super powerful. Just yeah. making one, one, one guy on the ground in EDH is just too slow to do much. It's a it's a nuisance. Yeah. It's a it's, nuisance card. It's barely a nuisance. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Teamer Ascendancy. Uh, it's uh, green, blue, red, and more colors. Creatures you control have haste. Very nice. Whenever a creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under control, you may draw a card. This is definitely a card I'm playing in uh, yep. in yep. in Animar. Uh, you want card draw. This gets you it, and guaranteed almost everything you play outside of your like Farhaven elves and stuff is going to get you a, a card. And so, the haste is totally relevant. Yeah, because you're playing the card, and you get to attack with that card that you are also drawing a card off of. And if you're playing Animar, you may just draw another free creature to play, and you could just continue this cycle and start pumping dudes out. Well, and in Animar, you're going to have huge stuff because you're reducing casting costs, so you might just might draw Ulamog, play him, and attack with him because he's got haste. Yep. Or you you know, bring, you put out your... Uh... Your Rattleclaw for two, you or you for three, you flop it for two, cast your Tamor Ascendancy, now it has haste, you tap it for one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you do all goodness. kinds of stuff. Haste is one of those things that you rarely want to play a card that just gives haste, but you often want to play a card that does something else and gives haste. Yeah. So that's that's a that's a great reason. I, I think this card, especially green wants haste very often because you're gonna yeah. play some huge creature. Haste and trample. Yeah, but it just you know? doesn't have yeah, the ability to survive until you can actually use it a lot of times. Well, if you can use it right away, it's got a lot more chance to, to do something for you. Yeah. Um, the last ascendancy is Sultai Ascendancy. It's black, green, and blue. It says at the beginning of your upkeep. Look at the top two cards of your library. Put any number of them into your graveyard and the rest back on top in any order. So it's kind of... It's a little deck fixing. Yeah, isn't this um, Jace's first ability, Jace the Living Guild Pact? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so it's basically like a free loot scry. I don't even know what to call it. But the thing is, these colors, they have green and black in them. They want things in the graveyard. Oftentimes, they want things in the graveyard more than they want them in their uh, library. So... This can be, and it also does things like smooth out your draws, like yeah. you find land, or if you already have land, let you get rid of land, you know, and you can choose the things that you want to put in the graveyard, like stuff with flashback or yeah. stuff that you That's want to the reanimate or all kinds Jace. of stuff. Or if stuff you're running dredge. a lot of stuff with Delve, yep. yeah. Delve. which typically you're not going to. Yeah, Jace, Jace's ability is different, and this makes Soltai Ascendancy a little better, that Jace has to put a card into the graveyard. Oh, So gotcha. Soltai, you can choose two or one or zero, and Jace, you always have to do one. Gotcha. So it does give you a little bit of flexibility. Um, the thing is, if you're playing green, I'd rather play like Sylvan Library. 
you know. Depending on what you're doing. I mean, Sylvan so Library won't let you. Sylvan uh, Library is always awesome. It's awesome, yeah. but it doesn't but it actually let you, let you uh, right. cycle through your deck quite as quickly. Because yeah. right. after you've done it once, then you're actually only looking at One unless you pay the time. life. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And something like this, specifically, I see this as a Mimeoplasm card. I see this as yeah. a definite if you have a Mimeoplasm deck. Because now you can yep. not only stack up your graveyard, but you know, also fix your library at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, obviously, you want to get both ends of it. You want you want the the um, the the decks the the card selection of being able to choose what's on top of your deck and what's not. But you also want a, a deck that wants things in the graveyard and can use the stuff in its graveyard. Which yeah. I think by the end of this block, we'll see a lot more stuff in these wedge colors that are really digging out of the graveyard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the next card uh, we want to talk about is called Crackling Doom. It's uh, red, white, and black. That's Mardu colors. It's an instant. Crackling Doom deals two damage to each opponent. Each opponent sacrifices a creature with the greatest power among creatures he or she controls. This card's awesome. uh, great. It's just bonkers. I mean, it's an instant. Are yep. you, like, seriously, yeah. on top of every all yep. of that, they also made it an instant and three mana costs? Yeah, and it's the greatest power, too. So many cards are just like, everyone sacrifices a creature. Token decks are like, meh, <laughs> yeah. This is like, oh, Nope, crap. Yeah. you're getting Sacrifice rid of your, your big biggest thing. dude. Yeah. Yep. Just I don't care it's not... if it's indestructible, if it's hexproof. I do care if it's, it's hooded Hydra, though. Don't. And and I like how they thought like that's not powerful enough. What else can we do? Oh, let's just have everybody take two damage. Also, yeah, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> let's just stick it to them a little bit more. Now this just card's little, really good. Just yeah. a little on top of that, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think it speaks for itself. It's just a great card. It can be played at instant speed, so you could wait for someone to. You're like, oh, that person's gonna play an Ulamog next turn. Ulamog gets played. Crackling Doom. <laughs> like this card may be more fair if it did it to everybody. Including, including yourself. yourself right but it doesn't that's right. a good point it's a very good point i like the card a lot uh yeah. if you play the colors run it what are you doing <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh kalia bring crackling doom in um the next card is def- Ooh, this one actually scares me yeah the art for it is nasty too i believe it's zergal helm smasher's hand coming in punching the narset yeah uh, it's deflecting palm for a red and one white uh, it's an instant. The next time a source of your choice would deal damage to you this turn, prevent that damage. If damage is prevented this way, Deflecting Palm deals that much damage to the source's controller. Wow. This can be crazy because there's a lot of decks that just try and kill you all in one hit with yeah. one thing. Voltron Commanders. Yeah. Um, infect. Yeah. This is It won't do the mana. Infect damage because oh. the, the Deflecting Palm actually does the right. damage. But That's right. But it'll still like do the damage. I mean, think of something like Rafiq whose goal is to like hit you with a, a double strike 2020. 14th. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's only going to do the first 20 damage, but yeah. it's still going to be like a huge chunk. It might kill them. Mm-hmm. And I like what this does is it doesn't make Rafiq deal that damage to you. Right. The Palm does the damage to you, so it takes <laughs> away the, you know, the general damage and yeah. whatnot. Right. But it's um, still very powerful just oh, absolutely. because the nature of EDH is like oftentimes one huge one thing. Yeah, if one haymaker is just going to drop you. Yeah. And, if you yep. can, yeah. and if it's a turn before yours, you play Deflecting Palm, and it's like that's all I needed because you just tapped out because you thought you could kill me. Yeah. Also, sometimes it'll just kill them. They think they're going to kill you, and the yeah. damage deflects back into their face, and they're just dead. Yeah. Like if they're at 20 and they attack you with Rafik, they're dead. Yeah. Right, because this counts for first strike and, and yeah. second strike because it's, so it's that like, source doing damage. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I should also mention that it doesn't actually work with Infect because it deals damage in the form oh, true. of minus one, right. minus one counters or poison right. counters. So you just prevent the damage? You prevent it, uh, yeah, because it's not dealing that damage. So uh, great card. And it's only two mana. Two mana, yeah. So it's easy to leave up. Uh, you, you agree? If you play this, you're going to feel really safe when you have that in your hand. It's going to be hard Absolutely. to kill yeah, you exactly. in one turn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the next card is 
Dune Blast. Oh, yes. Oh, we talked about this with, with Marshall yeah. as well. All these like board wipes. Yeah. It's great. And the art is so great. Yeah, this is cool. So it's four, it's four colorless, one white, black, and green. It's a sorcery. It says, choose up to one creature. Destroy the rest. Dun, dun, dun. Destroy the rest. Yeah, just a great, fun card. Um, it's not my favorite board wipe, but those colors. It's It can be a one-sided board wipe, though. Yeah, it can definitely. be like, oh, I'll keep my general, and I'll destroy everything else. Like, And then I'm going to have yeah. Jaleva on the table, Especially and there'll be general, nothing else yeah. out there. Or if you're like you know, Sigarda, and you're going to kill someone in one turn because yeah. of this card. That's, Obviously, um, these colors don't work as cigar, but just saying it, it works like that. It's anytime nice. you can like destroy everything, but you still have something, yeah, is very, very powerful. Yeah. I mean, now you have a one creature advantage, which yeah. can attack, can do whatever it works, can stay up. And as oftentimes, a that one creature can be something crazy broken. Ulamog. Yeah. So now they can't sacrifice any of their regular creature permanents. They have to be ditching their lands or artifacts. If you have Ulamog out, you don't need Dune Blast that you're probably going to win. But. <laughs> it's true. It's I think this card does fall under win more, uh, yeah. but it also can definitely, I mean, like any board wipes, erase parity and put you just ahead, and if, especially if you're losing. Like, that's yeah. great. This card has that ability. I think win more is, is actually important, too. We talked about it. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. You, need, you need finishers. The this. thing yeah. that I do see about this is seven mana cost with three different colors. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tough to play. Well, yeah. the fact that it's seven mana cost covers up that three color thing, though, because you're never going to be it's able to be way later in the game. Yeah, right? and yeah. If you're playing those three colors and you're at seven col- seven <laughs> you're, mana and you, you don't have your all your wrong. colors, then yeah, yeah you've yeah. done something wrong. Put uh, more fetch take, lands Yeah, in. take these lands from this set and put them in. <laughs> uh, the next card is Flying Crane Technique 3 and then Blue, Red, White, or Red, White, and Blue. Uh, instant untap all creatures you control. They gain Flying and Double Strike until end of turn. No, they don't have to be tapped. That's right. That's the thing about this card. Token deck, uh, these aren't necessarily in token colors, but Red, White is. Uh, and actually, blue has been coming around as a token color with mm-hmm. Master of Waves, Chasm Skulker. There's there's some... Alrand. Yeah. Alrand, yeah. So in recent sets, they've really started to push blue more towards the token things. So all of a sudden, like, if you've got tokens and you give them all flying and double strike, like, you don't need 100 tokens. You need 20. Yeah. Not even that. Like, I love this. This is probably my favorite battle trick of all time, mm-hmm. but... What I don't like about this is the wedge that they put it in. Because for me, of you know, of course, for, you don't well, of like course. because so, of that. But, you, you want so green now, and black what, in there somewhere, yeah, right? Exactly. Because <laughs> with Infects, it would be totally like it, a Oh, joke. absolutely ridiculously yeah. broken. But so let's take this for a second. And what generals can play this? There's uh, Zedru, who is typically like trading, you know, I'm, I'm going to trade you this, whatever. This doesn't really work that well. But with Ruhan, this might work. Uh, other than that, I don't see many generals that would be taking advantage of this other than five-color generals, in which case I see better cards out there. Mm-hmm. I just think you can start to play a token strategy with these colors now. Yeah, yes. I think it'd be really fun. Yeah, so what can happen is this in tokens is just like, it's just like another sort of, um, uh, I don't know, overwhelm or, or sanctified charge yeah. type effect, yeah, you definitely. know, where it like doubles up the amount of power you've got on the board. Uh, which, you know, when you're playing tokens is a lot. And it gives them all flying so they can get through where maybe they wouldn't have been able to. Because if you've got 20 tokens, you might not be able to kill somebody. Right. And I know? guess with uh, with this new general that they in- introduced for these colors, Nerissai, that this could definitely be a keeper in that in that deck. Narset. Yes. You can play it for yeah. free. Yeah, exactly. Because you can play it for free. Yeah. I, I, I want to build a deck around Narset, but we'll get to her in a little bit. Uh, let's finish off our multicolored... 
um, cards. Okay, so we've got Soren. Solemn Visitor. Solemn Visitor. He's Why definitely, is he so solemn? Because he's visiting a land of dragons. He's like, I belong in the land of vampires. Well, no, it's a land of no more dragons. No more dragons, yeah. And Maybe that's arts... why he's solemn. He's like, man, I wish there was dragons. <laughs> you know what would be cool? So if there was dragons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's standing in front of like the, the broken... Then like... he'd be Soren, super stoked visitor. Yeah. <laughs> Soren, Soren, dragon rider. James Bianca, write that down. Oh, my gosh. That, I'm gonna, please submit that as I'm going to Photoshop name. sunglasses on him and like a little beach hat. <laughs> Like he's like ready to suntan with some dragons. <laughs> Put a margarita in his hand. <laughs> All right, Soren Solemn Visitor. He's two, a white and a black for for uh, total for a four loyalty planeswalker. His plus one is until your next turn, so not until end of turn. Hmm. Creatures you control get plus one plus zero oh, and gain lifelink. His negative two is put a two two black vampire creature token with flying onto the battlefield. And his negative six, you get an emblem with at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, that player sacrifices a creature. Right. So the ultimate's pretty strong. It's not you just win, but it's pretty good. Make a 2-2 flying vampire token. It's just eh. not high enough impact for EDH. Um, until your next turn, all your stuff gets lifelink. It's okay. It's cool. I mean, I like that it's until your next turn. I don't think yeah. we've seen that wording very often. So it, it has extra value. But overall, I don't really see this as the strongest of the Planeswalkers. Um you know, I, he's no Garrick. Yeah. Apex Predator, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Even though Garrick costs seven, and this guy only costs four. It's just hard to see which of those, um, besides the ultimate, which is strong, it's just you're going to have to get there. Yeah. The, with the first two abilities, it's just hard to see how that's going to add up to having any real effect. Yeah, and the law of, and the law of decks, to be honest, wouldn't mind sacrificing that creature. Um, yeah. So. See this guy going in like a agave token deck, and especially his ultimate. What I do like about mm-hmm. that is that it's it's kind of like a shieldred that they can't get rid of, mm-hmm. right? With the you know with the emblem, so he starts at four, so it's not the most ridiculous thing to get him there. Um, thing is, in EDH, if you're close to getting ultimate, everyone attacks you, so it's almost right. like yeah. that ultimate better do something pretty serious well, because you're gonna you're gonna basically put a target on you a really big target as soon yeah. as you get close to it. Exactly, which yeah. is why I think he's super niche, but I think in something like Gave, where I am playing doubling season, because it does have that green as well. Yeah, then you just you put know, him out ultimate. Then you just put him out ultimate, yeah. now it's... Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ooh, the I next, like this next one. Yeah, next card it's is... It's awesome. Utter End with Zergle Helm Smasher at the helm. Huh, I get it. At the helm uh, getting smashed? Yeah, it's two colorless and a white and a black. Instant, exile, target, non-land, permanent. Instant, exile... Target non-land permanent. That's that covers a lot of bases. If you're playing white and black, this is going in your EDH deck. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm I'm immediately putting this in over so many other different removal spells that aren't half as good as this in like my Calia deck. It's actually better than is it terminate? Yes. Yes. Yeah, for EDH players, I think in other formats the one mana matters. In our format, it does not. And since it's an instant, an instant totally matters like a lot. Yeah. This card is awesome. It just targets anything you want, really. And it's exiling it. They don't have a chance yep. of getting it back. It's instant speed. The fact that it's exile, the fact that it's instant speed, and it's anything you want, it's it's great. I mean, the only thing you could wish for is that it, it did Lands land. Well. Yeah, so it's, it's like Vindicate. But it's. I think it's at better. instant speed yeah. though, because yeah, vindicate's, it's, yeah. a vindicate's a sorcery. Yeah, yeah. and that's what I'm saying. And very it costs, to get. And vindicate costs one less, but that doesn't matter to us in EDH. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. I mean, it'd be better if it hit a land too. I think that is occasionally like um, relevant. Like they got a maze of Ith or, or something. Mm-hmm. I do not think I'll take out my vindicates from my decks to put in utter end. I'm just but I will add. probably I will probably take out my swords to plowshares or right. Probably more likely my path to exile because I don't want to give them the extra land. 
Hmm, interesting. Hmm. And the uh, the last card besides the legendary cards is called Villainous Wealth. It is uh, black, green, and blue, and X. It's a sorcery. Target opponent exiles the top X cards of his or her library. You may cast any number of non-land cards with converted mana cost X or less from among them without paying their mana cost. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean... Get some extra mana because of the green and then cast this sucker. You are playing a lot of let's cards. Say, let's say you could cast it for you have black, green, blue, and seven. So you have 10 mana total. Totally very common in EDH. That's yeah. actually pretty modest. You could ca- you could exile seven cards and cast any of them that are, that are seven, seven or yeah. less, which is probably going to be most of the cards. Could you imagine if you got like a Gilded Lotus in there? Like, oh my God. I mean, everything. Like, So I have a friend that plays uh, Damia deck that's uh. just basically ramp 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 get damia out draw seven cards yada yada plays huge spells something like this now now not only are they going through their own library they're going through yours but they're going through yours <laughs> oh it's gonna piss me off when yeah somebody does that yeah to me. it's because it's can cast any number of them so if they have like and like if everything's just like two costed or three costed it's like great i get all of them it's like Ugh. that's if it's modest if it's well, this is edh we're not very often modest yeah. a lot of times you're yeah. doing something like i'll create 20 mana and i'll excel the top 20 cards of your exactly. library and i'll cast all you know, your favorite things. Everything, because <laughs> there's no card in Magic that costs more than 20 mana, so I'll just cast, like, 17 cards right now. A lot of times, if you can get to about that amount of mana and you cast Villainous Wealth, you probably win. Yeah. It probably just says I win, because you can't... I really think if you're playing all three of these colors, you should be playing this card. Yeah, it's, oh all, my it's gosh, pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, all it, right. If nothing else, to piss off the other player. Yeah, right? It's <laughs> like yeah, a, plus you played their cards. Those cards don't exist for them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Unless, I guess, if you, it's like if bribery they, they steal them back. back. Yeah. It's like bribery oh, where you get to play their enchantments and their artifacts. You get things out of your own colors. Sometimes it could be cheaper, though, like Control Magic and Ulamog. Yeah, exactly. You, if you don't want it to exist in the game, you can just not play it and leave it in exile. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's like they have no ability to go grid it or recur it. I mean... Yeah. Uh, it's a good card. Yeah. Play that card. I, like right? it a lot. I didn't even think about that. If you don't want to play, you just leave it out. Yeah. That's the awesome. ultimate F you as you do yeah. it. And you're like, you know what? This Ulamog, I don't want any I don't of actually these. want it because I didn't cast it from <laughs> my hand. I just exile your so entire what? deck and I don't take any of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing. Um, so let's talk about the legendary creatures, the, uh, the leaders of each clan. There's five of them total and they are all legendary creatures, which means they are all possible commander options. But I don't think you're going to want all of them as commanders. Um, but let's just talk about them from top to bottom. So we're going to start with Anafenza the Foremost, uh, who is your uh, your favorite color is Craig. Not the three most. Not the three most. <laughs> it should be because she's a just three colors. She's three colors. Know, she has a four power and toughness, most. though. Yeah. She's the foremost. She's not the four least. <laughs> uh, she's black white and green for a 4-4 so vanilla test great and super cheap which is always important for commander whenever an offense of the foremost attacks put a plus one plus one counter on another target tapped creature you can control and if a creature card will be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere exile it instead i like how she just randomly hoses like reanimator strategy yeah, yeah right right she cuts it's, them up on her like and she's chariot. in the reanimator colors but it doesn't do it for you right it does it for anyone so it's else. only opponents i yeah. honestly think that i would put this in carador only for her second ability. Right. I do not see that first ability becoming something substantial. Yeah. Would you build a deck around her? No. Yeah, I yeah, don't think I don't so. Think you would I just don't think either ability is powerful enough on its own. It's like if you put a 1-1 counter on all your dudes... Sure, the yeah. only The only reason would be if you're running a mill strategy, which you're not in those colors. Yeah, like, yeah. 
I, I the second ability is nice. It's 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 as though you're seeing an enchantment that does that kind of like a, a rest in peace kind of card uh-huh. that just makes sure that people can't mess around with their um their graveyard. So not too much to say about Anafenza. I mean, you do want to play some graveyard hate, but she doesn't actually just cover our graveyard hate because she yeah, doesn't exactly. do anything against instant sorceries think she, artifacts yeah. she's only creatures in your graveyard so mm-hmm. even then it's like i don't even know if i'd play her as i think she's hate. much better as an addition to uh to a deck like Absolutely. in Caridor, i see this as a definite you know probably over um brave pact because now Caridor, i can recast this because it's a creature mm-hmm. and it also is huge graveyard hate for all of my opponents so mm-hmm. if right. they're discounting cards or sacking but it only does anything for creatures i mean yeah. like i said if they were using instances of sorceries or artifacts or enchantments like it doesn't do anything it's just creature cards only i mean that's good don't get me wrong but it's not it's not pure graveyard yeah, hate. you're right it's yeah. not everything yeah so and offensa the four least it's fine she's a four four for three <laughs> The four, the three, the, foremost, the three least. Yeah, Anna Fenza, the four, four for three. <laughs> I will say though, it typically in yeah. in Carador or whatever, I am making them sack their creatures. I would like to. I'm probably going to play not, around with this. Yeah, it's not useless. I'm just. Yeah, I, I yeah. Just think so. No, you're right that yeah. it's only creatures, so it's far less effective. Yeah. Okay, this next one's pretty powerful though. Yeah, I want to build a deck around this. Enlightened Master. She's three and Jeskai. See what I did there? Mm, nice. Yeah, that's uh, blue, red, white. She's a legendary creature, human monk, 3-2. She has first strike and hexproof. Hexproof is so important. Just yeah. that word alone that makes this card great. And then she says, whenever Narset attacks, exile the top four cards of your library. Until end of turn, you may cast non-creature cards exiled with Narset this turn without paying their mana cost. Yep. We talked about her a little bit before, but yeah, she's kind of like in Hell-Ava. the vein of Helleva. Yeah. yeah. Um Except for it's only your library. It's the top four cards, and it's any non-creature card. So, right. Listen, we've we've said many times, and this is always going to be true. Uh, if you can cheat the mana cost of stuff, mm-hmm. you can break it. You can abuse it. You can play everything for free. Yeah, it's know? just the type of effect that's like finding a loophole in the normal rules of magic, mm-hmm. and. That that's the way you can just pull stuff off that the game wasn't designed to allow you to pull off. Yeah. Like you and, know, cast like twenty mana worth of spells in one turn. You know that that that's what she allows you to do. And the colors she's in too. Keep in mind, you can also play lands. Yeah, <laughs> you can play artifacts, enchantments. You can play take extra turn uh, spells. No, you have to cast it, so you can't play a land. Oh, yeah. that's right. Okay, you may but cast. Still, the, to your point, these colors are the colors where these instants and sorceries and non-creature spells yeah. are. Like being able to blast out and take an extra two turns. Yeah, just because she attacks. Like what? you said, omniscience. Omniscience. Yep. Yeah, and anything. And this is like it shares two of the colors with mm-hmm. uh, Helva, and so you can definitely stack the top of your deck. I think I'm going to convert my hell of a deck to a Narset. I think deck, I am to too. Like the only thing I would say now. is she's six mana. Yeah, she's expensive. Hell of is only four. She doesn't she's, have flying, right. so they can just block her. She may just die. I mean, she has right. hexproof. That's great, but doesn't matter if they've got a four four out. She's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to get her unblockable. Whereas hell of a flies. Yeah. Uh, Narset is hexproof, so that gives her like I'd say an extra two mana casting. You know, like, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, if she much. dies once, she now costs eight. Yes. That's the thing. If they kill Hell of a Once, she still costs six, so they're going to have right. to kill her at least twice to push, sort of put her into, like, it's hard to cast her range. Yeah. Narset dies one time, and she's going to be difficult to cast for a little while. Yeah. But that being said, with Narset, you can get, you know, let's say average two spells, possibly three, possibly four, true. instead of guaranteed only one. Yeah, mm-hmm. true, true. Um, yeah, she's great. I'm just saying there is downside. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if she's some more sort of evasion. Or less than hell you know, or... I feel like her. You might want to build her as a, 
as a Voltron deck. You mm-hmm. know, something. Oh, no, I think you definitely do because you want to stack her with all those effects. Like, yeah, she's already got hexproof, but you want haste and you want unblockable. And not sure. to mention, you're going to put in the cards that make her Voltron, like yeah. an enchantment aura that makes her infinitely better. Yeah, Absolutely. Great, and I'm know? just thinking now, Which like you can go, mm-hmm. you can do planeswalkers like Tezzeret. You can yep. do instants like you know, uh, search up an artifact. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, that's. And you cool. can play Jace and brainstorm to make sure the top of your deck is nice and stacked up. Yeah. All right, next up we got Sidisi, Brew de Tyrant. She's the Sultai clan leader. Uh, for one, a one in Sultai, which is black, green, blue. Whenever Sidisi enters the battlefield or attacks, put the top three cards of your library into your graveyard. Whenever one or more creature cards are put into your graveyard from your library, put a 2-2 black zombie creature token onto the battlefield. Eh, I'm not too hot on this one. I um, think you can build a deck yeah, around Yeah, build around me for sure. Because... It's uh, whenever one or more creature cards are put into your graveyard, so it's each instant where they mm-hmm. are. But if you play three cards and they each do it separately, then you would get to trigger it three or four times. I mean, yeah, I think you could build your deck where she could be pretty broken. Yeah, I think there's definitely possibilities here for that. Yeah, for sure. I think just like the Abzan one, I don't know if I'd build necessarily a deck around her, but I would definitely put her in an or in a. Mimeoplasm? Mimeoplasm. Yeah, exactly. just because there there are you want to have things in your graveyard for Mimeoplasm to interact right. with. And plus having tokens and for only four mana. Yeah. It makes sense. She's definitely. No, I think good... you could put her as your general in a bunch of self mill type stuff and you could just yeah. be making like you could probably get some crazy combos. I don't know any off the top of my head where you're getting like ten two twos out in turn and then you're just sure, recycling yeah. your graveyard and just you know. And those off. are typically and you could maybe do that really early. She can only costs four, so maybe mm-hmm. you could do that by turn five or six and just and especially two of those colors, the green and the blue. I mean, like wonder. They mill, yeah. You know, well, those creatures that when they're in your graveyard do extra stuff too. Yeah. I always think of those. Black when I too. Think Black of really loves up the, the graveyard, graveyard. So right. Yeah. I remember I used to play this deck back in the day. That there was a lot of arguments about whether it was legal and what you'd do is you would um, <clears throat> draw your seven cards, then you wouldn't play a land, and you draw your eighth card, and then you'd purposely um, discard like a something big, usually like a craw worm, mm-hmm. and then you'd. On your second turn, you play your first land. On your third turn, you play your second. Then you animate dead the crawworm and have a turn yep. three crawworm or, yep. or whatever huge creature you wanted. Yeah. So that that the reanimate strategy has been around uh, since beta, and it's still pretty good. All right. Next up, Zergo Helm Smasher. Zergo Helm Smasher. He's uh, Mardu, which is red, white, and black, and two colorless. Legendary creature orc warrior. He's a seven two. Uh, he has haste. Zergo Helm Smasher attacks each combat if able. He also has Indestructible as long as it's your turn. Whenever a creature dealt damage by Zergo Helm Smasher this turn dies, put a 1-1 counter on Zergo Helm Smasher. Which creatures are going to die because they're going to probably block him and he's yeah. indestructible. He's so. a 7-2. Yeah, you're going to want to block him. More limited than anything else though. So this is why I'm kind of not so hot on this guy either. I think you can build an aggro deck with him, though. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. He, um, and he's sort of like the, t- the icing on the top when you get him out and turn, you know, four or five. He's extremely vulnerable with the two toughness and the indestructible only during your turn. Right. But that being said, like, you know, no, nobody's really running, like, lightning bolts in EDH. No, they're right. they're yeah. running path to exile or something. So you got to give right. him hexproof anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's any more vulnerable than a general that has five toughness. Right. You know, because most of the stuff that's going to kill a, fi- a, a five toughness is going to kill a two toughness also. Yep. So it's all about getting hexproof on it. And the fact that he has indestructible during your turn is just a little bit better. It, if you're playing an aggro strategy, then then he's great. He could be your general. Yeah. yeah but uh, if you're not, then he's probably not that useful. Yeah. 
All right, finally, the last one, and I'm so glad I get to read this one because I'm so putting him in my Animar deck. It's Serac Dragonclaw. He's Teamer, so it's red, blue, and green, and two colorless for a 6-6. Six, six. So, anyway, that's five for 6-6. Six, six. He's a Flash. Flash, oh. Serac Dragonclaw can't be countered. Oh. Creature spells you control can't be countered. What? And other creatures you control have trample. He's, li- he's, he's literally like you brought your everything. crew with you. <laughs> they just sound a lot like you. Yeah. Jimmy's doo-wop band. Yeah, that's right. Um, he he does everything you want in an Animar deck. Um, yeah. He can't be countered, and which means that you also get the ability that creature spells you control can't be countered. In a creature-heavy deck, this is mm-hmm. already amazing. Mm-hmm. And other creatures you control have trample, which is what you always want in a deck with tons of huge dudes. So he's really just straight yeah, up. Yeah, trample is evasion. Yeah, and he's wearing a bear for his like chest well, piece. Well, he punched it in the face. Yeah, because he's a badass. That's right. Both <laughs> his rank and his scars were earned in single combat against a cave bear. What a dude. <laughs> I like that that connotes that everyone he has, all other creatures have trample, and they can't be countered because he beat a bear in the face and punched it in half. Right. If you <laughs> did that half Jimmy, of his you face on either shoulder, and yeah. you would have trample. I would have trample. I'm gonna go um, find me a bear. I like Sir Dragonclaw. <laughs> I like this guy because you can play him in in your Animar deck, or you can just play him as your general. I think I think it's he, you could totally build around me, Commander. Um, get him out in turn five. He's already six six. You could probably Voltron him up. Other creatures you have can't be countered. That mm-hmm. means what a powerful ability. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, great. especially the fact that he has flash. You could play him on somebody else's turn. Yeah. Well, plus you play something, they try and counter it. You flash him in. Oh. Counter it, it effectively counters their counter. Yeah. Oh. You, so they're going to be scared to counter your stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. He anything that gives all of your creatures like a couple of abilities, which he does, uh, is going to be pretty strong. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think he's got uses for sure. Well, that is the uh, wrap up then of all of the cards that we see in Concept Arc here uh, that we think would be good additions or not so good additions for EDH. Let us know in the comments uh, below on rocketjump.com if you guys have any recommendations for what you think we missed. Uh, I know for sure that you guys might be looking at Dragon Throne of Tarkir, but I'll let you guys check that one out yourselves. It's kind of like Crater of Behemoth on a stick, which is great. Um, but yeah, I think this set's great. I'm looking super forward to it to draft it and to supplement all my commander decks oh yeah there's so many cards i'm already like oh this is gonna go in this deck this is yeah. gonna go in that deck. i don't think I... i've ever seen a set that has so many cards that i can put in different decks me neither i've been waiting for lands. i've been waiting for these wedges yeah. for like four years <laughs> just the lands alone are like every fetch lands going in every deck that has the colors that it yeah. needs and then you know all the, the the wedge lands that didn't exist before so any if you ever had you know riku or one a, a, a commander like that now you've got a wedge land for it. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's just great. What I find most awesome and most upsetting for my pockets about this deck is <laughs> it got me into standard. It's going to get me into modern, and, and it's going and I'm going to draft the hell out of it. And I'm going to want some cards for my EDH decks. Better pre-order a couple cases there, oh, Craig. Jeez, yeah, Craig. <laughs> and uh, let me open some of the booster packs just because I really want to. I've been looking forward to as long as I can smell them. I'm cool. That's <laughs> true. It really does make a big difference. It just, just sounded wrong. The- <laughs> it's, it's cardboard. <laughs> That's how you get played off stage. As long as I get a, a sniff, zone, Jim, you get a nice thousand win playoff. You tapped it's yourself like, out with a bad like, joke, like four and you're gone. <laughs> it's like three and a half wins. Yeah, it's actually just one win. It's just called Josh's wind. Just get out of here. Um, Craig, thank you so much for coming on, man. Oh, thanks for having um, me. I hope you have a windful exit from <laughs> from this podcast. 
Also, as a reminder, you guys, we do put up weekly videos so you can actually watch these podcasts and see the cards come up on screen, uh, the ones that we're talking about that we don't tell the uh, card information for. And it's got nice moving graphics. It's very easy on the eyes. And I think it's just an actually, it's another great way to experience the podcast if you are in front of a computer and not in your car, for example, and you yeah, want. Yeah, if you can, I'd say that's a lot easier to watch it that way. Absolutely. Because, yeah, you, like even the cards that we actually explain all the mechanics, we still put those cards up on screen. So it's just a lot easier to be like looking at the card while we're talking about mm-hmm. it. Not to mention you get to see the sweet art and you, you do get a more complete experience. Um, not that the podcast isn't one. We obviously tried to focus on making the podcast the number one priority, but we put a lot of work into these videos. Uh, they are spent hours on them, painstakingly editing them all, editing them all together. So we'd appreciate the views too, and I think we, I think you guys would like it. I have to say, every time I've listened to the podcast, which has been every one, I always watch the video, and I have found myself every time needing to do other stuff, but just watching the cards. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that art is so beautiful. Oh yeah, it the is. art. Even when we're even when we're talking about not a card. Just maybe a philosophy or a strategy or something. There's yeah. always still something got going. Card on. art up, yeah, yeah, and the card art is just so amazing. Yep. yeah, it's 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 great. And actually, we've been working on ways. Oh, I don't want to spoil it, but we're going to improve that. Um, yeah, you know, sweet. It's very it's soon. Look sweet. It's yeah, gonna, yeah. I think we're our, always working on ways to improve the experience. Yeah, I think our episode with teaching magic is one of the better examples too, because all the philosophies we talk about, we, it's written out in text, so you can definitely see it there too. So make sure you guys check it out. It's all at rocketjump.com. You can find us under the podcast section. Oh, and also big shout out to our sister podcast. Uh, they're only in their second week here. It's called The Masters of Modern, and uh, it's hosted by Alex Kessler and Glenn Jones, and they talk about the modern format. If you have not checked that out, you should definitely give it a listen. Modern yeah. is actually... Modern's a lot closer to EDH than you might think. It's, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, a lot more cards are opened up for them to play. Yeah, and, and the brewing uh, opportunities are, are very large. And, uh, you know, yeah. if you're thinking into getting into something a little bit more now competitive. Now is the time. Now yeah. is the time. Fetch lands are here. Fetch lands, dual land or shock lands, yeah. all of them. It's much more cost effective as well than standard because nothing's rotating, really. Right. Yeah, um, from a long-term perspective, I would say that modern is, is a lot more palatable absolutely. than something like standard. Yeah. So definitely check out that podcast. Uh, also on Rocket Jump, uh, you can find it on the main page. You can find links uh, yeah. yeah and those guys know about magic <laughs> i think a lot more than we do uh, not that we don't but they definitely have a deep understanding of it so they're definitely like competitive magic you know if you're interested in that at all they have that mindset and mm-hmm. it's very improving your game yeah learning, it'll yeah. improve your game your edh game just to listen to them talk about uh, competitive magic yeah so yeah um all right everybody thanks for listening uh i just have one last thing to say yeah See you guys at the cons of Tarkir pre-release and sealed and draft events. Go to your local game stores. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that. 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.